passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. They made enough plays to win, certainly a defensive ball game and things of that nature. But, you know, they made they had the one drive for a touchdown and made plays when needed. Uh, I thought our defense played lights out, by far the best game we played all year. Covered well, uh, pressured the quarterback well. And for the second week in a row, we couldn't get anything going offensively. I was proud of when Fortin came in and was able to give us a little bit of a, of a spark. Uh, in all honesty, we... We couldn't block. We didn't break tackles. Uh, we couldn't block for the run. Couldn't couldn't protect him, and we we didn't break any tackles till late in, late in the game. And uh, but I was really proud proud of of how hard they played, and I was really proud of the defensive game plan and how the defense played. It's a fairly succinct uh, explanation of what happened Saturday at Razorback Stadium, and boy, one. Certainly didn't expect to see a total of 23 points uh, between Arkansas and LSU. Uh, and did not expect to see Arkansas play as well as they did defensively. No doubt about that. Also did not expect not to see K.J. Jefferson out there at all. So uh, that's where we begin. Picking up the pieces of a loss to LSU. Got my guys Matt Jones, Matt Travis in studio Guys, how was the weekend? He had a bummer of a loss. We all froze our our you know patoozies off on Saturday. I don't let that get me down a Phil. little bit. No, I know it never gets you down, Maddie. You know, I mean, I Matt do will- live and breathe Arkansas Razorback football, but sometimes you just got to think. You know, the sun's still going to come up tomorrow, hopefully. Okay, it, it, it Matt Jones. Matt Jones, will the sun come up uh, tomorrow? Hopefully, the, I mean it's up right now, right? The sky's not falling. That's that's for sure. <laughs> How's it going, fellas? Um, all right. Feeling good. To- got a busy day. Got a really busy day. Got a women's basketball game at Bud Walton Arena tonight against, I think this will be a good game. They take on Tulsa. A uh, really important week for the women's team. Men's basketball. I uh, got Eric Musselman live tonight, 7 o'clock. Uh, one game this week. San, uh, San- I was going to call them uh, San Diego State. It's a different SDSU. It's the uh, Jackrabbits from South Dakota State. But... 
All of that right now sort of pales uh, to uh, what's going on with Arkansas football, where you are still two games left yet to be bowl eligible. You know, I saw the uh, there were representatives from the Liberty Bowl. I rode down the elevator with them after the game on Saturday. Right now, I'd be pretty happy to be playing in Memphis in December, to be quite honest. Uh, this sixth win is, is pretty darn elusive. And two games, Matt, that come down to the wire. You know, I feel like the Liberty game, I would have rather not see it come down to a potential two-point conversion and then hoping you get to overtime. Against LSU, there, there are a lot of things to like, I think, about what you saw in the LSU game. Is it safe to say, Matt, that was the best defensive performance for the Razorback defense all year long? No question about it. Um, I, I figured the defense would have to fly around, would have to get lucky and uh, kind of shorten the game down and shorten the possession and keep it low scoring. I guess that was the the last thing we had said, and that's kind of what they did. I mean, it was a cold game, and, and I was proud of the way they played, Phil. I, I was really proud of, of how that defense went out there, and uh, they they fought the entire time. They, they created havoc. I think they had seven sacks, a couple turnovers. They... They gave us a chance all game, and you know that that's, we had when we when we played field. Seventeen points was the thing we had to get to. Is kind of as an offense, the defensive coordinator would say, you know, if you can get to seventeen, then it's it's our fault. We 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 can't, you know. And so if if, if Arkansas could have found a way to get to seventeen, you know, I'd like to have seen them kick that field goal. I'm sure we'll get into it, but. There, there's nothing more deflating than a than a 13 play drive that that comes away in zero points, and then when your defense gets a uh, a turnover, and, and especially in that that zone right there, and you get zero points. I mean, it really mm-hmm. does kind of deflate. And so I'd like to have seen them. And you know, it's a cold game. You, you're kind of getting the flow of the game. You know, nobody's about to score 40. That quarterback didn't know what. I mean, he he looked like he hadn't practiced all. He's just an athlete back there. He, he he's good. But uh, he, he couldn't throw. He wasn't having his best day. It was cold. But You're speaking of Malik right there. No, I'm know, speaking of number now. nine from, from LSU. Oh, wow. I was talking about their, I was saying that you could tell that how what he was. Their running back, LSU's running back was the stud. I, I, no, Malik's a lot like him. I think Malik actually has a better arm than Jaden. Dan- Jaden Daniels doesn't know how. He needs somebody to help him learn how to throw. I mean, that dude, uh, he, he, he really is just an athlete back there. Now I know why. Now I know why Chip Kelly or uh, Brian Kelly is is uh, is frustrated, you know, because he's such a good athlete, but he can't, he doesn't know how to throw. Well, and and some might say the same uh, about Malik at times. I mean, his throws were were off. I think that's safe to say. Uh, and I think mean, we shouldn't go any further in this show without at least acknowledging the best player on the field on Saturday, and he was he was wearing white and gold helmet. <laughs> And, and purple numbers, and it was Harold Perkins Jr. I mean, what an amazing game put together by that kid, who is a kid, a true freshman. They say he doesn't even really know the intricacies of pass coverage or or what you got to do to play that position. He's just playing off of straight speed. He's just an athlete. Speed yeah. and strength. That's right. He's ama- He was amazing. Every time I looked up, he was the one making a play. That's That's for sure. Even when he wasn't the one making the play, he was the one who was blowing the play up, you know, forcing Malik on a naked bootleg to go a little bit deeper than he wants to go. Right, and right. the next thing you know, his hips are off kilter and he throws, you know, a bad throw towards towards Trey Knox. That was just one of a few others where he might not have even got his hands on, on Hornsby or on Fortin, but he changed the direction of the way that play went. So, I mean, Perkins was incredible, um, but... The, the Arkansas defense, like Drew Sanders and Bumper Pool were terrific. They were all over the, the place. Arkansas, the Arkansas defensive line 
were was tremendous. Eric Gregory had a fantastic game. Terry Hampton just clogged up the middle. Um, McAdoo you know, out there still running around. Yeah, McAdoo can tackle. I man. like that him. guy. He's not one of these one of these like you know wide receivers turned cornerback that's just out there to sprint and stay with a guy. I think he can hit. I think he can turn a guy upside down. There's a lot of things to like about what you saw from the Arkansas defense without Miles Slusher too, mm-hmm. which which you People know you were playing up. you were playing with a secondary that was that uh, you know was, was was down the guy that's supposed to be maybe the best player in the secondary. So I mean, with all that said, I mean you should win a game or you hold LSU to 13 points, right? Shouldn't you? Arkansas offense should be able to scratch out here and there, even without KJ. Look, you don't have KJ Jefferson in the game. You know you're going into it, you know, with with a with a with a hand tied behind your back. You know, maybe emotionally, maybe physically too. He he is supposed to be the guy that drives the train. But if he if if the conductor doesn't isn't allowed, you know, can't show up to work because he's sick that day, somebody's gotta get in the conductor's room in the engine and shovel the coal into the engine. And right now, I'm, I don't think there is a quarterback on the team that can drive the train the way that it's supposed to be. And that I don't, I'm not yeah, putting that as like hurt. any. If, if K, no, you're, if KJ's hurt, Phil, the thing is they need reps. You know, K, the thing, to, if K, when K gets back there, you know what you're going to do? You're going to blitz him because if a quarterback can't beat the blitz and you can't play quarterback and he doesn't really, he's not really going to run. You know, Malik is running around. You're going to change it up on him. KJ's seen it all. So, I, I think these guys are talented. They just need reps. That's that, that's it. But if they're hurt, they're, they're, they're hurt, that's what we need bow practice for, Phil. We, we speak about getting extra reps and getting extra things. It's like not only recruiting, but that gives us about, what, 15, 17 extra practices? <laughs> it's pretty darn important right now. I, there's no doubt about it. I mean, if, you got, if you were able to take Malik Hornsby and Cade Fortin and mold them into one quarterback, you'd have, you know, you'd have what you'd want there. Now I like the fact that Cade, you know, got out and 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 turned a what was it a thirteen yard run or anything oh man, like that. He, he, yes, yeah, he, it was a, it was a nice run, but because he doesn't really have the threat of being a true two, you know, a, he's a, not going to go eighty, like, yeah, he's he, he, that's he, when they brought the he, house, man. He can that's pick how up Perkins, first downs, yeah. that's how Perkins gets to Fortin and knocks the ball loose to basically end the football game. So, but I, mean, I Phil, I was proud that they you you didn't see the defense making uh, pointing fingers at the offense, or the, you didn't see the offense kind of pointing fingers at each no, other. That's when, up to us. When that's it, up yeah, to us and our callers. But, but I mean the team, you know, <laughs> Phil. Like I was, yeah. I was proud that they. They, they, I mean, they, they seem like they're still a brotherhood and they're still fighting for each other, and, and I like that because it'd be real easy to start pointing the finger and, and start getting down on somebody, and, and they're not doing that, and I don't see any of that when we, you know, you have people say some, anything about losing the locker room. I don't see anything. I, I, I see a brotherhood and them still fighting for each other. Well, I mean, you, 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 you put it pretty – I think the, the most important aspect of this is that you want to get in these 15 practices and have a bowl game. I right. feel like you've – You've you've stayed close to the level where Arkansas was last year, just by making it to a bowl game. Five and seven is going to be unacceptable. I don't think there's any doubt about that. If Arkansas were to end the season with a second uh, four game losing streak, that's going to turn into something that's unacceptable. And then you may end up seeing who knows. Maybe there are changes amongst some some of the staff. You know, if you go into the into the off season where you played on a New Year's Day bowl game, and then the next year you don't have a bowl game. And, and looking ahead to what's happening in the next couple of weeks, you get an Ole Miss team that's good. I mean, they took Alabama right down to the very end, just like a few other teams have too. Arkansas, by the way, did not. And then a Mizzou team 
that uh, very well is going to be playing, trying to play once they, you know, they're playing an FCS team this weekend. They're going to be playing for bowl eligibility, bowl eligibility on uh, on the black the, the battle line rivalry too. Right, both those teams. So I mean, that's two weeks ahead. Just beat Ole Miss, please. Beat Ole Miss in frigid temperatures this Saturday at night. At night, you know, knowing full well you got to go on the road six days later. Just take care of it this weekend so that nobody's got to worry about it next week. And we can start making our plans for Memphis or Nashville or one of those what what we'll look at as cold weather bowl spots because we ain't wearing shorts for a bowl game this year. There's there's no doubt about that if you're a Razorback. All right, here's what we got coming up on halftime. We'll have Mike Irwin in the next segment from Pig Trail Nation get his thoughts on the Arkansas loss to LSU. Uh, Connor O'Gara joins us in hour number three, and we will have the phone lines open in about 20 minutes or so because I know a lot of you have got some thoughts, and we want to give you the opportunity to uh, vent if that's what you got to do. It's a venting Monday on halftime. All right, stay with us. We have Mike Irwin from Pig Trail Nation next. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo BLEAV, believe, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Now, back to the podcast. Hey guys, what do you what do you what do you think? Matt, well, let's just talk about the Arkansas basketball team today. Let's do three hours of happiness with basketball. You know, two and zero. What do you think about that, Phil? You know, happiness is a choice, and we're just coming up in here working with you and Matt, Matty T is happy enough for me today, man. We're we're gonna have a good show regardless. All right, I appreciate you putting that back on me. I guess we'll talk football, <laughs> and we'll do that with Mike Irwin from Pig Trail Nation right now. Um, Mike, I get, Matt's telling me we got to talk football, basically, because it's a decision hey, the, for us to be happy. We went, I'm happy. I, I'm I enjoyed happy. Matt's happy. We went to the basketball game, and, and what I saw, what we saw, man, on the basketball, that was a fun game. I, the athlete, I mean, the, the runs they were going on, that was, yeah. that was fun to watch. Yeah, but Mike, I'll tell you who's not happy right now, and I think it's most of the Arkansas fan base when it comes to football. But I think that's fairly accurate, though, right? Well, I'm happy because of that song you guys just played. It's one of love my favorite that one. brandies. Good. So I love it. So I'm in a good mood today, guys. I really am. Music is awesome, isn't it? Well, you can thank Matty T for putting you in the happy mood that you're in then. Well that, done, Matt. That was actually a Matt Jones selection. Ooh. So that was a collaborative. Uh, we, we all, we all did nice. our part. We win as a team and we lose as a team, guys. Well, Arkansas lost as a team, Mike. What did you think what you saw Saturday at Razorback Stadium? You know, I was sitting there thinking when it was over, wow, if the defense had played like this all year, what a year it would have been. And then I thought to myself, well, you know, three of those losses were by a combined seven points. It's just been that kind of year. Weird stuff has happened. You know, you, you finally get your defense to come around. You don't have your quarterback, and suddenly your offensive line is off the rails. And it's just been that kind of year, I guess. Uh, fans aren't happy. I know that. And, and I'll say this, too. Here's what happens. When Sam Pittman made that decision to forego that chip shot field goal in the first quarter, 
a lot of fans jumped on Twitter and defended him. Oh, and we need we need seven points here. That's not going to make the difference. But then when it did make the difference, he's suddenly a bozo. That's the way this stuff works. When you when you win a game, I promise you, Brian Kelly made mistakes in that game. He did a field goal it, too. He should have kicked a field goal one time and, and went for it and, and didn't get it as well. He made some mistakes. I don't, as well. exactly, I don't know what they were so, doing going for it on fourth and one at their own what was that twenty five yard line or something, mm-hmm. and then the fake. Yeah. I don't know what they were doing there. So if they to... lose, he gets barbecued for his mistakes. You bring out this laundry list. That's what the fans do. But if you win, the laundry list doesn't exist anymore. So that's just football. It's the way it is. I mean, I got a guy, these questions I get for Ask Mike on Monday. One of them's like, did, did Gunnar Juracek get suckered by by Sam Pittman on this contract negotiation? It just ruined him as a coach. And I'm thinking, good grief, what is going on here? It's just a mass overreaction. So, well, I mean, the, the the idea here is that they haven't put together a full four quarters. Matt, you've said that, I think, a number of times in the last couple of weeks. I think you're 100% right about that. Uh, Joe Tess and, and Greg McElroy commented on that on the on the television broadcast. We all know that. We've watched this team enough this year. They haven't put together a full four quarters, maybe for the entire season. The thing that's so that really is the shocking thing about these last two weeks, Mike, is that the Razorbacks cannot run the ball. You know, and if it happens in the SEC West, that's one thing. But it's two weeks in a row. It's two weeks in a row. And I'm, is, is it Dalton Wagner wasn't there last week? It's not just on him. Rockets not hitting the holes quite the same. Ellis, you had fast defenders, I know. But Arkansas, I mean, they're, they're supposed to be able to, you know, hang their hat on running the football. They weren't able to do it much. You know, for the second straight week, what happened was the offensive line got out quick. People forget that. Being a, a big offensive lineman is not just about power blocking. Uh, back when Houston was here, and I don't remember the kid's name, but he was really like a four, five-star something offensive lineman. He was supposed to be great. They started him early. Then they had to bench him, and they were working with him. And I, th- Those were in the days when you could watch what was going on, and I'm watching this guy go through these blocking drills. They put a really quick defensive end on him. He was an offensive tackle, and he's shaking before each one of these reps because he knows he's going to get embarrassed because this guy's just flat quicker than he is, can move better than he can. And when you, you, you just see this a lot, a guy that gives up 25 or 30 pounds to an offensive lineman is quicker, can blow past the guy if he doesn't have good technique. And I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing some of these guys may be good power blockers, but what does that mean? Mike, what's the what's the deal with the quarterbacks? Is KJ going to be healthy this week? Are we going Cade Malik? What what what's the what do you think? What, and then what was your reaction to uh, Malik's performance? And then when Cade came in to relieve him? Well, we're I'm over here about to go to Sam's press conference, and so maybe we'll learn a little bit more. But I think it's probably going to be his Wednesday thing before we know for sure. Because remember, last week he talked Monday; he was pretty optimistic, and by Wednesday it was like he didn't know. He's got this bruised clavicle, which is right next to his shoulder joint. And anybody's ever had, it's not a shoulder separation, but it's something similar in terms of pain. Oh, Matt, you had a shoulder separation. Brandon Allen played a whole season like that where they had to shoot him up. And from what I understand, it's just very painful, and especially when you try to throw the football. So is that going to be better now, sitting out a whole week? Hopefully, we'll find out. As far as Malik... You know, here's what I'll say about this guy, and I've said it from day one because I watched him as a freshman. 
Everybody's just enamored with his speed. He does not have football speed. He has track speed. He stumbles a lot. He doesn't have good footwork. That try for a touchdown on fourth and goal from the three or whatever, he had a hole. He stumbled as he as he went across the line of scrimmage and fell down. Um, you know, he he got caught from behind by a defensive end like three times. He sometimes doesn't cut loose. So now it boils down to he's not really, really this runner you think he is. He's got to throw it. And he's got good zip on the ball, but when you don't give him time to throw, if that had been KJ in that game, I don't think you got enough uh, time to throw the football. And so, and we saw the same thing, you know, when, when Kate Fortin came in the game. He threw one really good pass for a touchdown, and he threw a couple others that looked nice. But in the end, they just pinned their ears back and came after him, and they got him on the arm. And finally, the second time, it's ruled a fumble and game over. So I don't, I don't think those backups were terrible. They just didn't have time to really throw the football. Play devil's advocate just for a minute about this with Malik. And, and the more I watch him, Mike, I, I, the more I agree with you about his style of speed is, is much more straight line uh, than it is, you know, make, making moves um, or, or hitting the hole hard. Um, but, uh, you know, to play devil's advocate here, there aren't a lot of teams out there that has somebody of the speed of a Harold Perkins. Like, how often did it look? It was at least two or three times that it looked like Malik had three yards of room to try to get to the edge. And the next thing you know, Harold Perkins is on him like a blanket. I mean, the kid was incredible. And he was the difference in the game on Saturday. Well, he was. But, see, that's when you have to have the ability to turn quickly upfield and use that player's momentum against him. And he doesn't do that. He tends to float to the outside, which favors the guy on the inside if he's he's got good quickness. Um, That's just a... If there was a guy, Damian Williams, that played for Arkansas for a year, Springdale guy, and he was supposed to be fast because he had all the use of great wide oh, receivers. Oh, he's a receiver, yeah, yeah. And he he ran an 11.100 meters at the district track meet and didn't even make state, didn't get to go to the state meet. And I thought, what's that all about? Well, what it was all about was he didn't have straight line speed, but that sucker could stop on a dime and accelerate for two or three steps like like a madman, and that's where he, when he got open, that's how he, it, this ability to cut is much more important than straight line speed in football because it's not a straight game. It's it's a series of moving here, moving there, reacting to the guy you see, and Malik just doesn't do that, and that was a good example. He, all he had to do was kind of cut back against the grain with that guy, and I think he could have got, got past him, but he tried to float around him. That doesn't work. Mike, if you would have, if we went to Vegas and you would have said Cade Fortin would have had the longest rush uh, on the on the <laughs> afternoon, we we would have won. But what, what, so that being said, I joke. But what's going on with this running game now? The last two weeks is it the, more the offensive line? Are we banged up? Is is Raheem Sanders just a step slow now? What kind of what do you see that that's going on? Yeah, some of most of it's the offensive line, but again, guys, everybody's got their little pet peeve they talk about. I'll just continue to say. A.J. Green, they should have played him more. When he came in, he gained yards. But it was like, okay, yeah, you came in and had a good series. Now go back to the bench. We're still going to go with Rocket, and we're going to bring Dominion in too, and he didn't do anything. So when you got those three guys, just go with the hot guy. If he comes in and, and, and is making it work, as long as he's making it work, leave him in there. If they start to figure him out, go go to somebody else. But I just think it was too much Rocket and not enough A.J. Green. 
So, what, I mean, what happens in the next couple of weeks? Uh, I mean, it's so much of it feels like it depends on, on having K.J. Jefferson. I just, you know, does Malik improve all of a sudden over the course of one week? Um, I, don't, I don't think Cade Fortin is a quarterback that leads you to very many SEC wins. Uh, so <laughs> I guess it, so much of it is getting K.J. back, you know, w- without him. How much of a chance is there, you know, to, to beat Ole Miss? If your defense plays the way that they did, you're still going to have to generate something like 17 to 20 points. And, and right now, that, that looks difficult to come by. Yeah, these next two teams are pretty good defensively. Earlier in the year, Auburn was giving up a lot of points or a lot of yardage on the ground, but that's dropped lately. Uh, they're only giving up about 150, 160 yards on the ground, around 200 passing. So that's, this is a tough situation for anybody but but KJ. And then you go to uh, Missouri. Missouri's, you know, they're struggling right now, but I watch their game. And I'm telling you, those guys can play defense. They're good. And so you're not, you're not going to get getting any sort of break when you play them from a defensive standpoint. So... They'll lose these next two games if they can't get this problem solved with the offense. If they can't get the running game going and at least get something out of their passing game. Yeah, and and I wonder if his his shoulder uh, injury, Mike, is if if you know it's sitting out that week and whatever. If he will be as far as KJ, if he'll be healthy against Ole Miss, if it's worth it. I, I think we got a, a a good shot. I don't I don't know which yeah, one you, it is, Mike, but I think we're going to win one of them. I I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you have to hope. I mean, um, like I said, maybe I'll know something here in a few minutes. We won't do you guys any good. The show is an hour later, but whatever. But I'll, I'll go in there and find out what I find out. But I'm hoping, hoping to get some good news on him. Well, Muss's team looked good uh, Friday night. Uh, Nabe's team looked really good Friday morning, um, you know, against opponents that were overmatched. But I do think that for basketball, both teams, men and women, they look really good defensively. Um, maybe different reasons. But I think on both sides, they're going to be difficult teams to score upon. And both teams are, are buying in defensively, which you have to with Muss. And I think with, with Naves' teams, this may end up being the best defensive team he's had in the six years as the uh, head coach. Yeah, so, so far so good with both of them. Now you've got this Nick Smith Jr. thing hanging around. Everybody's like, rumor, rumor, rumor. Oh, you may sit out the whole year and just go straight to the NBA. You know, And... So that's another thing you want to see. I'd like to see him play on, what is it, Wednesday. I'd like to see him out there. The sooner the better. You know, let's not turn this thing into a, you know, a two-month drama or wait till SEC play starts. Well, you know how these rumors work. There were rumors that KJ wasn't going to play before the Liberty game. It turned out it was a week later that he didn't play. So, you know, I, and I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, throw fuel on the fire of these rumors, but a lot of times, like when there are some of these rumors, there are reasons that these things get out. And sometimes sure. there's just a little bit of truth with them that ends up becoming the truth later. Well, the original KJ rumor, because he was out there warming up and he, he didn't have his ankles taped. That's, that's what they were telling me. His ankles aren't taped. That's a dead sign. Well, it wasn't that game because he played, but. Maybe that's, I don't know. It's, it is what it is. I mean, I've spent 50 years dealing with rumors. And it, once I retire, that's one of the great things I'm going to enjoy. I'm not going to give a crap about rumors. I'm just going to ignore them. Well, well I thought you were going to have a have a tell-all book with all the rumors. That's what, that's what I, yeah, Fleetwood Mac <laughs> style. Yeah. Nah, I don't know enough to do a tell-all book. I'm just, I don't know. 
people don't tell me stuff. I was about to say, I don't do know anything either. But usually it's good guys that tell me stuff, and I'm not going to reveal what they say. You know, I mean, some some guy you like gives you some inside information. You're not going to brat him out for that. Right, Come on. right. Well, Mike, we'll, be, we'll really be looking forward to your memoirs whenever it's time to retire, okay? We appreciate you hopping on with us, and okay. uh, we'll do it again next Monday. Thank you. See you guys. Thanks, Mike. Mike Irwin, Pig Trail Nation, uh, joining us here on Halftime. It's interesting the way that he puts that, too, you know. Uh, you you got to try to ignore the rumors sometimes, but then there there are little pieces of truth that come out with these rumors. And I don't want to believe, you know, the rumors about Nick Smith sitting out the whole season. I don't want to believe any of that. I, I don't either, Phil, but it'd be okay. It'd be okay because if – would you just want to know now? If you'd be like, hey, he's not going to play, just know now and get it instead of worrying about it. Man, if that's the case, I mean, that, that just becomes a giant distraction yeah, this season. Yeah. A will he or won't he sort of a thing that everybody gets asked about until it's addressed up front. And right now, I don't think anybody's going to be addressing it up front. Must's show is tonight, so we'll see. All right, phone lines open, 877-377-6963. Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith has whip shots. Whip shots from Cardi B is vodka-infused whipped cream in flavors like vanilla, caramel, mocha, and peppermint. With 10% alcohol content, these whipped cream shots will make any night a celebration. And they're great on pumpkin pie. Stop by Eastside Liquor today and pick up a can of whip shots at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. All right, get your calls and your texts in. Charlie's up with us first. And he's uh, he made sure he was first in line because he's about 30 minutes early. Good morning, Charlie. I don't get a chance to say that to you very much. It's usually good afternoon. What's up? What's up? It's so cold out here. I guess uh, it feels like I better, I'm out here at 8 a.m., man. It's just really cold. I got a cold, too, by the way. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. But anyway, uh, you guys have fun Friday. I know y'all went to the basketball game. That was uh, a good time. Yeah, I enjoyed that. It's. I mean, I love going to basketball games as a fan. Inside yeah. Red Walton Arena, where you can stand up and call the hogs and 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 cheer and and all of that. Can I say this though? And maybe this is something to get into later. Um, for Matt Jones, it was social hour at Bud Walton Arena. <laughs> Dude knows everybody there. Was. That was fun. It's it, it's it's that's part of it. You Not like to Matt's go watch fault. the game. You know, you don't get to watch the game as much. Yeah, you guys like got to go say hi to so and so and see so and so. It was like, it was fun though. It was my first. Matt, Matt probably. Matt, I'm sure, has people that come up to him. He don't even remember who they are. Well, <laughs> like, you got to hey, tell Matt, me your name again, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you signed my autograph 20, 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, well, that's been a long time. <laughs> anyway, uh, I am impressed with what I saw Friday night from those guys, uh, especially defensively. And I think we've talked about this all off season. I mean, <laughs> I don't care what people say. I do know that. That team was extremely experienced on Friday that we played, and there were they had some. I mean, they got some talented kids and some experienced kids. I mean, they were grown up, and uh, we we just took it to them. I know it was a little chippy there earlier. I know you guys were there to see it. I mean, they were talking, and we responded. And uh, I was so proud of just like how they just kind of stifled them defensively. It was almost unbelievable to watch. Like they yeah. just couldn't. They couldn't maybe, do anything. Char- yeah, Charlie, yeah. maybe um, maybe Fordham should have paid attention to, I don't know, not turning it over 20 times instead of talking a bunch of smack. <laughs> you know, maybe put the, so, but I put don't the think cart in could... front of the horse. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe so, but I don't think they could control it. I think we were just so stifling that everybody, all five of them locked in. Just It's, it's crazy when you think about it. I mean, uh, and Matt, you can chime in. You know, when you have a team that can switch like that, one through, I think one through five a lot of times. And I'm also proud of Graham for getting in there in the second half because he's going to help this team. But I also agree with you guys as far as Nick goes because I also don't think Muss is going to let it you know, linger with the guys. He's going to tell every kid, worry about yourself, worry about your own game. Let me worry about that. I do want to make a comment on the football game, guys, and I'm, I'm going to be a little bit, you know, I'm going to go a little bit both ways with it here. You know, I'm, I'm the positive side, the defense has been unbelievable the last six quarters. Unfreaking believable. And I'm going to give Barry credit for that. You know, Matt, I know you saw the plan, you know, kind of the, we were rushing three a lot, but we were mixing it up. We were coming after him and spying him and trying to keep him in the pocket. And I thought they just did an unbelievable job of keeping him in the pocket. Don't let him get outside of there because if he does, he's going to kill you. And uh, I thought they just did a great job. Best game they played tackling-wise. Another disappointing performance from the offensive line, though. Um, you know, Sam can sit up there and say, we got to block 40. You know, here's my thing with that. You know, why not, why not help the guy out? That's our backup right tackle. You got a guy kicking his butt, play after play. Why not chip? Why not do something? That was my only issue with that statement at the end of the game. Like, I love Sam. You got to block the guy. Well, yeah. Well, you know, maybe you should give your inexperienced right tackle some help there. I mean, he was killing him. I mean, and there's no offense to Crawford. I think he's going to get better and he's going to learn from it. But, man, my God, like, we just going to let one guy beat us? Because I thought Cade had a chance there to bring us back. So, he just didn't have time to do it. Anyways, guys, I appreciate it. I'll hang on and listen. Good call, Charlie. It's good to hear from you. Uh, thank you very much for that. Look, I'm, and, and I think the idea of, of helping Crawford out is more along the lines of when Fortin is in there and they're kind of bringing the house. But what I saw from Perkins is a guy that was spying Malik and Malik was pulling the ball down pretty early. And he early. just go, going and getting him is what he was doing. He was yeah. just going and getting him. There were a couple of moments. So there's a play I, I don't exactly remember the time or the or where they were on the field, but you know it, it's it's one of these delayed quarterback runs, and nobody got a hand on Perkins at all. It wasn't a matter that nobody had help. It was nobody got a hand on him. Brady Latham stood up, took a step back, and Perkins just waited, just waited to see what Malik would do, and he pulled the ball down, started to run to the right. No one got a hand on Perkins at all, and he he dragged Malik down for a two or three yard loss when maybe it could have been a you know a seven or ten yard run if Malik got loose. It did seem like Malik stumbled a little bit. I don't know if the field and they didn't have have his cleats right or or, or all that, but he, he the the kid the Perkins kid saved at least. 60 yards out there. There was a couple times where Malik was going to go, and if it's not for him, Malik would have. I mean, and, and I say that, and that he's a heck of a player. You might not play uh, these next two weeks. They might not have anybody on defense like that. You know, I don't know that. I mean, that's how good that's how good this Perkins kid was. Well, he's, I mean, he's not just a he's not just a difference maker. He's he's a guy that goes out and may, maybe wins a game for a team. That's what it looked like he did for LSU. They didn't have it's, anybody that did anything special offensively. A couple of the running, they had a couple of nice runs here and there. I thought Williams and uh, and and Noah Kane carried. Uh, oh, that running back with him for a bit. Oh my goodness, dude! Yeah, That's but, he. That he was fun to watch. I mean, not not against us, but he he's a real deal. Yeah, but but uh, you know, I, offensively, I don't think they did anything that was real. That was real special. They 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 just won the game because 
because a because Arkansas did not have a quarterback who was confident of either the play that was called or his ability to fit it into the right window. He's just the timing was off with with Hornsby. You could see there might have been a moment where somebody could be open, and I don't think he either, either saw that or didn't think he could throw it in there. And then Fortin, I mean, the two big completions that Fortin, you know, had were all was all about letting go of the ball at the right time. You know, to Landers over the middle Heck and down the catch. left sideline. Gave yeah, us a chance, Phil. You know, we talk about the magic and the voodoo in the air. When he when he caught that and, and scored, I thought, man, we're gonna this is gonna be wild. That gave us a chance. I know I don't know what you were thinking, but I, I thought we had a chance there. Well, at that point I thought I thought, hey, anything can happen. Right. It's a three point game. Let's just get let's just get within just get within field goal distance for crying out loud, get to overtime and anything can happen. But anything didn't happen. And it was unfortunate because now you're staring at a uh, at five at, at at five and five, and you need to. Pardon me, five and six, and you need to get back. You need to get to a bowl game. You need to get to a bowl game for crying out loud. That's the bird's eye perspective of things right now. We look everything in a granular perspective for the game itself on Saturday. What it's all about right now is just get one win so that this team can continue to practice and you get a bowl game and we get summer to go in December. Whether well, it isn't going to be warm. It's going to be cold. Hey, we're brought to you by The Fence Man. The phone number 479-782-3936 for The Fence Man. You know The Fence Man. They do all the large commercial jobs. They do the small repairs, wood privacy fence, commercial, residential chain link, custom rod iron fencing. Make sure The Fence Man is your only call. That's 479-782-3936. And be sure to ask about 18-month same-as-cash financing. Now available at The Fence Man. He ain't afraid of no work. All right, halftime back to wrap up our number one after this. This is for the men who never settle, the ones who miss the fairway all day and still pull out the big stick, the type of guys who will always prefer to be behind the grill than in front of the camera, and the men who never let their friends forget about a high school nickname. This is the Lodge mentality. This is Twin Peaks. Who wants to settle for a single TV? With more TVs, bigger screens, plus our fabulous scenic views, there's more to watch at Twin Peaks. Jeremiah in Cedarville texted in, like Quincy McAdoo, he's a bright spot for this defense. No doubt, man. I mean, I, I don't want I, I don't want him at wide receiver. Keep him at cornerback. I think he looks like a cornerback, man. The kid can flat, he can cover. He's got some size, and uh, I think we also saw that he can tackle uh, quite well. Four tackles, six total tackles, four of them solos, and a couple of pass breakups. I like I like what I see from Quincy McAdoo. Probably a pretty darn good wide receiver, but... Let's keep him at cornerback, Phil. Yeah, good I'm, cornerbacks I'm, are pretty he's, tough to find. He's tough. He's talented. He you, Yes, I ain't seen... How many better cornerbacks have we seen out there on this team this year? Let's keep him there. He's going to get better, man. He's, he's 100%. Go to Cody, who's giving us a call here on halftime. Good morning, Cody. How you doing? Feeling okay? Hey, good morning, guys. I'm doing great. Good. Super happy with this week's performance. Just not offensively, but obviously the line couldn't hold up long enough. Two things real quick first. Dude, Matt and Phil, they showed a replay of Quincy McAdoo covering one of LSU's better receivers. The kid was with him step for step as a true freshman at corner. I mean, it's unbelievable the talent that guy has. And him being a receiver makes sense now because it's like he's running the routes in his head as he's defending him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and you, he's got that talent. 
know, know, the thing about McAdoo, like McAdoo's six tackles, a lot of times like, I don't want a cornerback getting this many tackles because that means he's allowed a completed pass. A lot of those were on the running back that was carrying tacklers with him and might have broken through, and then Quincy was the last guy there. I was impressed. Oh, I was I was impressed too. I really am. Now, hey, here's the only thing that you guys are going to think sounds like a really big like Homer fan or kind of ignorant. Uh, Matt, I don't have the ability to go back and tell you every single secondary um, play or scheme they had in place on the play. But if there if there's any time you got extra over the next few days, could you look and see how many shots we could have taken? Now we're all saying throw the football, Malik, and Pittman's blaming on that. But why don't you just call go routes and let him throw it up if he's scared to throw the ball just to see what happens. When you get one-on-one, yeah. Can you look and see how many one-on-ones we had? Because there's another thing that I've agreed with you on. I even said this earlier in the year. We don't throw fades to Thompson. He's like 6'4 in the end zone, in the red zone. Why? You know, I want, honestly, I I don't think Malik throws the fade. I don't. I, the kind of yeah, touch you need for that KJ pass, I don't think that's in his repertoire. But even KJ doesn't feel. That's what I'm getting yeah. at. I agree. I don't think Malik could. But I don't. KJ doesn't even do. We don't throw fades in the end zone. Back shoulders at the pylon. You don't see that that quarterback progression with Kendall Bryles. It's starting to come down to progression, developing players, and it's starting to become visible. Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to talk to y'all about was this: our defense. Our defense just shut down a team that scored all them points against Bama. You know, I, I just. It's frustrating, but I'm a Razorback fan, so I support who's ever in there. Um, Nick Smith Jr., though, can y'all elaborate a little bit more on that? That kind of scares me. So there's a rumor going around that he's not going to play this year. That's kind of scary. But anyway, you guys have a good one. I mean, I don't know how to, you know, how far to elaborate. I don't really know the details of this, other than that those rumors are out there. It's just there, you know. And we're not reporting it as fact because it isn't a fact until somebody says this to us. Uh, that actually knows what's the what the situation is with him. So it's just it's just rumors that are out there, and it's stuff people are talking about, which is what a radio show's about too. Yeah, it's it's. You know, I need to see the twenty two tape to to see to be able to answer that question a little better. I'm trying to think. Landers touchdown was that not a go route on the outside? But the last fade I remember throwing in the end zone was to Trey Knox. That was the fade. That was the fade. The thirty yard pass where he that was two games ago, and he uh, and he kind of dropped it. So. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, and, and I know what you mean by being inside the red zone and throwing that that back shoulder, man. That's that should be football one hundred and one uh, when you get to college. Every, that's that's a that's a route that's so hard to guard, and that's with it. You when you get there, I don't know maybe if they run it in high school as much, but when I got to college, we we put that in with George Wilson. I say put that in; it was already in, but that's where I, that's when I learned it. That's a tough as route as any of them to cover. Um, and, and and also to Cody's point, the Arkansas defense was great. LSU threw the ball around the field against Alabama. They threw it against them. That quarterback, Jaden Daniels, who really couldn't complete, he really didn't throw the ball well against Arkansas. And I was told before the game um, to take the six sacks that the LSU offense had allowed to Alabama with a grain of salt because of Will Anderson. Arkansas seven times, and it came from every different angle. I mean... Look, you're, going, you're not facing an offense this next week in Ole Miss that really throws the ball around the football field. They're a running attack. But Arkansas has now shown, really, in the last six quarters, they've lived in the backfield. And I just, you, you know, you have a sense, Matt, like if Arkansas beats Ole Miss, they're going to beat him defensively. Because right now, offensively, your leader's banged up. The O-line isn't playing as well as they were. And you're going to win games defensively right now, which is kind of crazy to think about. 
All right, into the second hour of halftime, 877-377-6963. Right back. Why do people do business with First Western? Because First Western builds relationships with all of their customers. They partner for the long haul to help you with your financial goals over all seasons of life. First Western is prompt, responsive, and they deliver with quick answers and on-time loan closings. When is the last time your banker called you? You are looking for a high level of service and a financial partner who will listen and respond. Try First Western. For more information, visit them online at firstwestern.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. He felt better early in the week, threw a few balls on Monday, Tuesday, nine. Wednesday felt better. Uh, I just asked him to have a plan because he was in no man's land. You know, he's like out in the desert, nowhere to go. You know, he didn't hurt. It was sore. And the bottom line is on Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon, excuse me, that was it. We decided that the best thing for him is to, he hadn't practiced in two weeks much and we decided the best thing for him would be to rest. Uh, hopefully, he'll be ready by Monday, and uh, he'll be ready for Ole Miss. But it was either that or do the same thing, and then each week have the same result. A guy that can't practice, and we're trying to get him heal- healed up. Uh, we told the team yesterday morning that this was Hornsby's game. I remember hearing a week ago today, uh, Sam Pittman describing the injury to K.J. Jefferson as just a, as you remember, you used the term just a bruise. Now, I don't know if I'm going to go in the direction of, of, of like saying just a bruise when you sit out a football game. Uh, well, now, it might just be a bruise. It really might, but it's obviously painful enough where he can't get out there and practice at all, really, is what it sounds like. And, and if, there's, if there's another week like this, now look, he didn't take any hits on Saturday, he didn't have to throw the football, you know, that shoulder bruise is given much more of an opportunity to heal just a little bit, maybe to the point where he's able to start practicing a little bit more this week. But it sounds to me, Matt, like they like it's pretty important for the coaching staff to let KJ heal, and that also might mean not throwing very much this week because I'm not sure if this is the sort of the sort of bruise or injury that just you know heals up after sitting from one game. Yeah, I don't know how how long he needs, but if he hadn't practiced in a couple of weeks, I think Coach Pittman was was kind of right on. We go go with the guy that's practicing, and and if this is what he needs is rest to get ready uh, for the Ole Miss, and 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 we can say that he's going to be our starter Ole Miss week, and he's going to be able to practice this week, then let's go. I mean, we all know who the starting quarterback is. Um, I thought the kids, I mean, for the most part, that they. they I mean, they tried out there, but we clearly there's not there's not a quarterback controversy. If KJ's healthy, uh, we need him out there, and the team does. And if that's the best thing was to rest him and 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 to know that hey we'll have him back for Ole Miss. And and coach did say one of the things he said is you got to take care of the kid. Uh, there's no reason to put him out there and get him hurt. And if it's a if it's a bruise or if it's an injury, we're going to have to have surgery. What I don't know, we don't know. Uh, exactly what it is, but you do. You got to have. You got to have player safety first. You know, you can take that conversation. You know, the same thing about Nick Smith. You know, it's, these things do kind of work um, a little bit together. Um, and I'm sure you know Sam Pittman's press conference has uh, has begun. So I'm sure that'll be one of the first things that he is asked about. And here it is. Uh, he even got into it in his in his uh, in his opening statement. Says he anticipates KJ Jefferson practicing today and playing Saturday against Ole Miss, but also acknowledges that that could change. 
But I'm also hearing here, Matt, I mean, he says he didn't practice much in the last two weeks. Chances are that means if you played on a Saturday, you didn't practice Monday. So the fact that he's practicing today and you get five days to plan for Ole Miss, man, this is just great news. Yeah, Sunday would be you, you go in and you watch film and you, and you, um, you kind of get loose and you, everybody that's injured, you got treatment. I mean, that's, that's, that's it. Uh, Monday they'll get they'll get going and, and and used to we'd have study hall on Mondays a little bit but Mondays Mondays really when it wasn't really a big practice day Tuesday Wednesdays were our days Monday was kind of the day off you know you come in the day afterwards and then Monday's your study hall day so yeah it'd be interesting but yeah if he can throw and do something today that's what we want to see good good eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three with uh, any thoughts on that. And Coach Pittman also did uh, offer up thoughts, prayers to the uh, University of Virginia community. You know, I'd read a little bit about a shooting on their campus. Um, you know, when I woke up this morning, did not come to realize until uh, about an hour before the show uh, that it was three football players uh, that were murdered by a former football player at what? the University of Virginia. Yeah, it's crazy, Matt. Absolutely crazy. Uh, a couple of uh, wide receivers, a guy, a kid named Lavelle Davis Jr., another named Devin Chandler, and uh, a junior defensive player, Deshaun Perry, uh, were killed last night by Chris Darnell Jones. And this is allegedly, of course, uh, this, uh, the uh, suspect has been taken into custody on campus. Uh, students at Virginia were told to shelter in place overnight into the morning. So they weren't even supposed to be leaving their dorm rooms or anything like that. And uh, this was a former Virginia football player. Um, he'd, he'd played for them, I think it was a couple of years ago, so he hadn't been on the team recently. Uh, and um, 2018, yes, sir. Yeah, shot and killed. Shot and killed three football players and also shot two others oh my goodness man it's wild out there what is what is going on it's been arrested and charged with three counts of second degree murder and three counts of using a handgun on the commission of a felony and i guess this happened on uh on a charter bus after students had returned to campus from a field trip so he's just waiting on him he was just sitting there waiting on him to get get back he had personal he he had something to do that something was going on mm. Well, I mean, that is, I mean, it was, it's heartbreaking no matter what. It doesn't matter if it's it is football players yeah. or whatever. I mean, this, but, uh, it, it, you know, this will, this will bleed into the, uh, into the sports world in a way that it, it usually doesn't. I mean, these are two of the players were guys that, that, that were important players for Virginia. You know, guys that had uh, actually made tackles and caught a couple of passes against Pitt this past weekend. Um, the other had not played this year, but these, this is, uh, I mean, you get you get a feel for the for the entire community of the University of Virginia athletics, people that aren't even connected to athletics, and um, I mean, it's the second it's the second mass murder that's occurred on a campus of a major university in Virginia in the last three years. Remember what happened at Virginia Tech, which was I don't even remember how many how many students were killed. Then it was a it was a lot more than three, but. This is uh, it's just awful news, and the fact that Sam Pittman or any of the other coaches that are, that have their press conferences today, you know, even have to open up uh, with uh, with thoughts and prayers to the Virginia football team and the Virginia community is just is uh, is heartbreaking but, to begin with. Yeah, kind of in perspective, it, you know, there's a lot more than a football game out there. 
Well, you never know. You, you, you just you just never know. Um, you know what, what what might happen. Who knows why this uh, why this why this this guy got uh, you know got it in his mind that he needed to do something as drastic as this. It's terrible, but that, that's all we know about it. Uh, so there's no need to, I guess, elaborate any further or guess on any of the situation uh, that's going on there. Eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three for your calls and texts. Jamie May texted earlier that six and six is unacceptable. He does love the coaches, though. Um, now, I mean, we're looking at six wins as a bowl game. You're going to go to a bowl game with six wins. What, like, what is the number of wins that's acceptable for fans? I'm just, I'm just throwing that out to ask. Going from, going from two wins a year for a couple of years, then to three in an all-SEC schedule, Nine wins last year. And I don't think there was anything fluky about nine wins last year. It's just that so many of them came down to the very end. And just look at some of the losses for Arkansas this year. A game against A&M that the more you see what's happened with the Aggies. Oh, my goodness. My gosh, how did Arkansas lose that football game when A&M right now can't beat anybody? Um, And that that was a close one. The Liberty game. You know, that was close. We didn't think it should have been very close. Vegas didn't think it should have been very close, but it was a two-point loss. And here it is. I mean, you lost 13-10 to 10 to LSU in a game where last year you beat them 16-13 to 13 in overtime. Arkansas, it's not the breaks. I'm not saying that these are the breaks or it's the way the ball bounces or anything like that. You know your season when you're a program like Arkansas. You're not Georgia. You're not... You know, Alabama's playing in a lot more tight games this year than I think they're used to. Um, and maybe that's one reason why people feel like their dynasty is coming to an end because they're not as dominant. They're still good. But Arkansas, it's not the bounces. They're losing the close games. I've always said, Matt, like, when you are losing close games consistently, I'm not sure if it means that you are that close to being good. It just means that you're a team that's losing close games, which means you're not doing what you need to win. doesn't mean you're that close to being great. It means mm, you are what your record says, and right now they're 5-5. Five and five. That's what, uh, it's one of my favorite Tomlin quotes. You, you are what your record is, and, and we can talk about it uh, all you want, but when it gets down to it, we just got to have more players making plays. I mean, that's, that's, I don't, it's as simple as you can say. That's, a, that's our record. We're 5-5, five and five and as far as what we need, we need to get to six. Unacceptable is five and seven this year. We we need to get that six win, no matter what bowl we go to. Get your extra practice time. Uh, it looks good in recruiting. I, I don't care who you are. Not making a bowl game does not help you in recruiting. You can say you can spin it however you want to, but it does not help recruiting. No, it it, it would not be a good look at all. Um, you know, and I, I think Jamie Mays texting in again here. He says he's not being too tough thinks he is a great team I don't think this is a great team like there was the there was that narrative you know after the loss to A&M that Arkansas this year is better than they were last year I don't think that's the case right now they they by this time last year we were making plans for a bowl game in December right now we don't even know if that's going to happen it very well might not happen right now this team is not better than last year you are what your record says you are I, th- I think this, Phil, I think if I don't know if our defense could sustain this, but giving up 13 points in the last six quarters, if we can continue to do that, uh, we will win one of these games. Um, I mean, there's the, the defense is, is the, 
those last two. I mean, they, they played decent. We still should have won that Liberty game, but 0-0 shut out in the second half and then holding LSU to 13. Uh, if they can do that against Ole Miss again and, and defense is still playing, getting turnovers, we've got a chance. You have to stop the run against Ole Miss. And, you know, Arkansas played well defensively, uh, still allowed, you know, 198 rushing yards, 246 when they take away the sacks. So, I mean, then they did tackle really well. But I was <laughs> like, that Josh Williams, how many tacklers did he carry on one of those? Car- I mean, it was like he had seven guys on him. He, he, I don't know how he did this because Cam Ball is large. He pushed Cam Ball back like seven yards. Transfer portal. I'm, we're going after him, I think. I mean, that dude's a stud, man. He he just, yeah, he, it took He's three a walk-on, a former walk-on, too. Really? He's actually a finalist for the Burlesworth Award. Heck yeah. yeah. It's pretty impressive. Uh, hey, we've got something that we've been doing the last few years here on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. It is starting up right now, and it is free rent or mortgage for a year. Nobody likes paying rent. Nobody likes paying their mortgage. You do it anyway because, you know, you have to. But thanks to real estate agents Nick and Ellie Glidewell and Matt Fowler at USA Mortgage and Mountain Home, we're giving away free rent or mortgage payments for a year, up to $15,000. That's right. Go to hitthatline.com. You'll see the $15,000 sweepstakes button there. Click it and enter the free rent or mortgage for a year sweepstakes now through December the 12th. Winner gets fifteen grand to pay their rent or mortgage for all of next year. You just got to enter. Contest rules are at hitthatline.com. Let us pay your rent or mortgage for a year thanks to Nick and Ellie Glidewell, Matt Fowler at USA Mortgage in Mountain Home and ESPN Arkansas. We'll have the phone lines open in the next segment, 877-377-6963, and coming right back. Eastside Liquor has more than just liquor. They also have wellness products and now carry Marley CBD gummies. They come in amazing flavors like Island Punch and Coconut Vanilla. They come in 200 milligram tin packs, so stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue and pick some up today. Now, back to the podcast. Missionberry drives, well defended by Devo. Shot no good. Devo outlet to Council for a one-hand throwdown. Ricky Council, he's got 11. Hogs are back up by a dozen now. Yeah, I thought we were phenomenal defensively. As maybe as good a defensive game as we played, you know, um, in the last three years. I thought our defensive activity was really good. It's it's interesting that with such a new team, how locked in they have been on the game plans. Um, and one of our veteran players, I think it was Devo mentioned it to me the other day, is 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 in shoot arounds and and our, our prep leading up to the games, how, how this group is asking the right questions and, and, and really, really locked in. It was a lot of fun on, on Friday. Uh, one, I got to call Arkansas's uh, women's game victory over UCA. Team looked really good in that. UCA was just flat out overmatched. Tallest player on that on their team um, would have been one of the shorter players on the Arkansas team. And then uh, for the men's team, it was like every. Gosh, I lost track of how many steals they recorded in that first half. It's like every time Fordham tried to move the ball into the front court for a good six, seven-minute period there, there was just nothing they could do. Somebody was there to get in the way. And, um, you know, we'll talk about the Ricky Council dunk uh, and the highlights that they did put on. But, I mean, 30 turnovers? I don't think I've ever seen a game where a team committed 20 turnovers and a half, 30 for the entire ball game. And uh, basically got run out of there. It was a really good performance for, for Muss's team against Fordham. And they only get one game this week before going to Maui. 
That that Anthony Black dunk too. Yeah, you, you, yeah. You ain't oh, kidding, God. man. They they had um they had a little run there. We know basketball is a game of runs, but they had a little run there. We're just getting the uh, getting turnovers and getting it in. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know what it was, but it was five to zero. Then the next thing, it was like twenty five to seven. You know, it was just like what just happened. Thirty points off turnovers for the Razorbacks, which means they probably left a few out there. If you get thirty turnovers. Uh, yeah, and the three point shooting again was was not very good, and maybe that's just going to be the case. You know, maybe the maybe this is just a team that isn't going to hit a lot of three pointers, but they're going to get to the rim, man. They are going to get to the rim, and then they're going to get to the rim, and they're going to try to break the rim. Fifty four points in the paint, and that's all on the dribble drive. I mean, maybe a couple second chance here and there, but the, this is a team that's got multiple players who can drive to the rack. And when you have that, that means you're going to have guys sagging in and it's going to open another driving lane for somebody if that, if that path is cut off. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch these guys create on the fly. Yeah, they have great balance. They, the, the thing I like to, that I love to see is they're, they're not selfish. They're, there's, they're, they're willing to pass the ball. Uh, Jordan Walsh uh, was open for multiple, multiple threes. He shot a couple and didn't make them, and, and he didn't force it. You know, there's no reason to do that. Um, Anthony Black's going to get better, I think. And then I'm everybody uh, loves some some Brazil, and and I'm I'm coming along, man. He's uh, he's he's he seems like he's getting it. I, I do think he's going to be closer to that eight and eight. That not not really necessarily a twenty two and twelve guy, but. Um, you can't when it's, it's like we talk about speed uh, in the SEC football. You can't teach height, and he has it, man. He's got height and length, and and um, it, you got to use what you got. Well, and there's there's also I think with Makai Mitchell, um, the transfer out of Rhode Island. There's a little bit of the Gurr factor. He's tough, defensive. huh? Yes, yeah. I think he's t- and he runs the floor. You know, which sometimes having the Gurr factor means you might not quite have the speed or the body type to get down the floor as quickly as it looks like Makai Mitchell does. And, you know, we'll see. I think we're going to see Makai a lot more than Mikel, um, which, you know, is not great for Mikel, but for Chuck doing the play-by-play, it's a lot easier when you know which of the twins is out there. For me, I had – that was what – these are the first two games, Matt, where, I, where we've had at the same time for the women's team – Jersey Wolfenbarger and Sailor Poffenbarger on the court at the same time. <laughs> like I used to have, there were some teams, some baseball teams, where it would be a mouthful to try to get the double play combination. My favorite of all time was the Tulsa Drillers 2006. I think it was 2006, their double play combo. And you wonder, how do you remember a double play combo in double A from like 16 years ago? Well, awesome. because yeah. it was Tulowitzki to Dragicevich to Kashansky. Whoa. Right? Yeah. That's how I remember that. First of all, there's Troy Tulowitzki, who was one of the great yeah, players Tula- of, his, of his generation. Played for the right. Rockies, right? To Dragicevich to Kashansky. So Mm-mm. Poffenbarger to Wolfenbarger should be easy to say, right? It wasn't, it wasn't quite. Because you've got to remember, it's Barger, not Burger. And so there's, you know, it's too much to remember. Hopefully tonight I don't screw it up. Can you, you don't short it and say, Wolf, pop the Wolf? You know, wolf, wolf, wolf with the shot, pop on the rebound. If, I'm, no. if, if the wolf is going to pop in a shot, then the pop has to pop in a shot. Oh, it's pop. See, yeah, see, I got to get it right. Yeah. Oh. And if I say pop, all I can think of is leaping Lanny Poffo, <laughs> the form, the wrestler 
who was, um, that was Macho Man Savage's brother, by the way. Leapin' Lanny. I know there's wrestling fans out there that knew that. See, you remember Leapin' Lanny Poffo, right? That's a good name, man. There's the, it's like the minor league baseball teams have good emblems or mascots. Is the, and then the, there's some of those uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggett. Yeah, well, he, they, and he had a mustache also that the, Leapin' Lanny Poffo would have been proud of. Oh, with the Steiner brothers, and one of them would come out there, and they had their onesies. They wear the required uniform, first of all. But the, the well, those guys one, were real college wrestlers. Right? They were turned into pro wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and also good news for basketball because they got Layden Blocker to sign. You knew he was going to six foot two hundred eighty pound guard from Little Rock. Played at Sunrise Academy. Uh, supposed to be a great defender, and I think at five star, he does just about everything right. There is an interest. So tonight you got Eric Musselman live at 7 o'clock. We'll air it right here on uh, ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com. Only one game this week, then depart from Maui on Saturday. Now you're playing South Dakota State on Wednesday. Matt, get a load of that. I looked at the South Dakota State schedule. They've got a home game Tuesday night against St. Bonaventure. And then they're coming to Fayetteville. <laughs> it's like playing back-to-back days in college basketball is so rare. It's either for a conference tournament or for, you know, what what happens next week. Like the Maui Invitational, they'll play three games in a row. The women's team goes to St. Thomas. They'll play three games in three days. But they're doing, like South Dakota State is doing the NBA weekend thing. It's, it's, they're playing at home on a Tuesday night. Then they're coming to Bud Walton for a Wednesday night. And, and to your point, Phil, it seems like when they do that, they're at, in, at one location that you're not really having to travel uh, man, I, I'd like to be in Maui when the, the World Cup starts. Those soccer games be going at like 6 in the morning, then you got the rest of your day. I mean, come on. So you've got it all planned yeah. out right then and there. I've got some facts on, on, on Hawaii for later on in this hour, Matt. Now, we don't need to get into our, our respective um, experiences on Maui because the two of us had the same World. sort of thing going on there. Um, but there is a reason to maybe stay away from Hawaii uh, <laughs> that I'll get into later on here on this uh, in this very same hour. 877-377-6963. Brandon asks you a question, Matt Jones. Would you, get, would you have given up all your football time with the Razorbacks to have played for the 1994 basketball championship team? I don't That's think, a big question, man. I don't think I'd have got on the floor, so no. <laughs> I don't think I'd have got You have wouldn't been have watching. enjoyed your time as a towel waver, huh? <laughs> I mean, just the opportunity to cut down a net, right? Wouldn't that have been cool? I want to play. I want to play. I don't play. I'm not sitting there. Yeah. Players play. Well, some of them sit, but Matt wouldn't have sat. Mm-mm. All right, we're going to take a quick break on halftime. Uh, get your calls and texts in, and uh, much more coming up after this break. Get by Eastside Liquor at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith today and pick up a four-pack of the new Crown Royal Cocktails. Available in whiskey and cola, peach brewed tea, green apple, and now whiskey lemonade. Try some today. Now, back to the podcast. Well, we're not blocking them. We're not blocking them, and we're not breaking any tackles. I don't think we broke a tackle into the fourth quarter, so uh, it's hard to have a good rushing. Look at their back. He carried us 8, 10, and 12 yards at times. Made guys miss in the hole. We had to block better, and we had to make guys miss, and we, we were not doing that at any position. 
You know, we're, we're certainly running gap schemes, running inside zone schemes, running sweeps, running outside zone, and not seem to have much success with any of it right now. And part of it is, to be perfectly honest with you, when they've got to respect that the quarterback's going to pull the ball and throw it. And if they don't, you you got problems. Guys, the Razorbacks over the first eight games of the season ran for no fewer than 187 yards. They had 200 yards or more in seven of the first eight games. Well, 144 against Liberty, 121 against LSU. Not from a lack of trying to run the football either. So what is going on here? Arkansas no longer is even the second-best rushing team in the SEC. That's because the Florida Gators put up 374 yards on the ground against South Carolina. They're second in the SEC behind Ole Miss. So I think it's a, I think it's a number of things all at once. I think you hear Sam Pittman say when, you, when, the, when the defense doesn't respect the quarterback's ability to run it, so that's part of it. But that's one game with a, with a guy who you should respect that he can – I'm sorry, that he can throw it. Well, that would be KJ. KJ can throw it. Malik, not necessarily such a great thrower. Um, you know, and this is a couple of games there. Uh, the offensive line is not blocked well in either of these last two games. Rocket is not breaking tackles, I think, at, at, at what we had seen previously. A.J. Green is breaking tackles and hitting the hole a little bit harder it's like these three things coming together, they've all come in the last two weeks. And flat out, look, I think Arkansas, they have to be able to run the ball successfully. They have to. That sets up the pass for this team. And without the offensive line blocking well, without Rocket hitting the holes, without the, you know, the threat of, of the quarterback running it, you know, I'm not. I, I hope they get back to it, Matt. What are you seeing? Well, they they if they're able to put an extra guy in the box, it's so much harder to run, to run the ball. And, and to what he's saying, I think Phil is you have to be able to beat the blitz. That's the, no matter what it is. If it's a quarterback that runs, if it's uh, you're throwing a screen, if you got misdirection, if you're just throwing your hot routes as quick as you can, or if you're blocking them up and just throwing t- to to one to one guy. If you can't beat the blitz, you you can't you can't win. It's just and we we had a coach, uh, Bobby Allen would come out and we'd be we'd be stretching and warming up, <clears throat> and uh, you're about to go to like Skelly uh, uh, or uh, or a team your first team drill whatever you're going to, and uh, he's like we coming after you today we coming and and that day they wouldn't you know come after you or whatever. But his point is trying to get the quarterback ready to go because. As a defensive coach, he knows he, we're going to win the game if you're playing against a quarterback that doesn't know what to do when you blitz. And so that that comes with reps. It just comes with um, uh, attention to detail and being out there. And then, you, like you said, you have a, a new right tackle out there th- this week, and so that's that's tough as well. And uh, then they had a they had a stud over there that we didn't know what to do. It's like we had never seen a football player be good before, and uh, we didn't know how to tackle. We didn't know how to block him. So it was. Uh, he he he. I mean, every. I don't know. It's just what. what I don't, you can't be mad at the, the the really the result because they gave effort. I mean, the team was out there trying, and and that's what you want to see is uh, the team was out there and they 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 fought hard. It just wasn't good enough. We have to give a credit to the grounds crew as well. Although it sounds they made a mistake at first when I arrived when I arrived at the stadium Saturday morning, it was right when um, they were starting to. Uh, water the field. That's why I didn't. I usually walk all the way down the sideline, the Arkansas sideline, just to just to do it. You know, it's become a tradition for me. But they were starting to water the field. I didn't want to get hit by ice cold water. 
And the field ended up freezing a little more because of that. And then it took like two hours for the grounds crew to literally like blow all that stuff warm and then scoop it off with the shovels. It felt like they created a little more work for themselves. But man, those guys, like those guys put in almost as much effort as the team did just to get the field ready. And because that was not a pretty sight when we arrived. And it happens before when you're used to playing on your home field and something happens and all of a sudden you got to get new cleats. And so I wonder if Malik, because he did, he, did, he did trip a couple different times where he would kind of stumble on his feet. And I wonder if it's if he was wearing the, the, the cleats that he had been wearing all year at home and maybe you needed to go in with those three-quarter metal spikes instead of his rubber yeah. spikes. I, just, I don't know. Gino, I was at, yeah. Gino had brought that up in the, in the pregame about, you know, make sure you got the right spikes. And, and, you know, Daniel slipped a couple of times. Right, right. Malik did, too. Just looked like he you know, a lot of times underneath you. Phil, I'll, I'll say this is, and this is, I mean, I, I've done this. I'm guilty of this. I'm like, oh, I got it. I, I, I can do this. And then you go out there and you slip. And then the equipment dude, you go out there the next time out and the the, the, the new cleats are sitting right where you're, where he's like, I told you so, you know. So you kind of got to learn, you know, we're stubborn a little bit and we're superstitious and all that thing. And it's, it's like, I'm going to wear the same cleats that I wore the last time I did good. And sometimes you got to you got to change it up based on the, the circumstances and how the field was. Well, it was the coldest day of the season uh, for the Razorbacks, not even close. And then I guess this next weekend, because it's a night game, I mean, my gosh. I mean, you're going to be playing that game in the 20s, I think, on on Saturday. Like, legit, you're going to be playing that game. You're going to have a high of 43 degrees on Saturday and a low of 21. It's a 6 o'clock. I mean, do we know if it's 6 30? I think. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, yeah. It's either or. That's what I went into the weekend thinking. So 21 degree low on Saturday. This this could end up being one of the colder games. I think that that Arkansas has played in in a in a long long time. So I wore I wore the long underwear even though I was up in the booth for the game. I'm gonna have to break out not just one pair of long underwear but two. You played in the NFL in Jacksonville though too, Matt. So what? And and back then, man, you had you in your in your division. There were teams that were northern northern teams. Well, Indy was in a dome, so that's that's climate controlled. Houston and Nashville, so that's not. But we played Pittsburgh late in the year. We played a New England playoff game. Uh, the coldest though was I, I want to say we played Soldier Field late, but the coldest game was at Cleveland. The wind was coming in. It, it, whatever it was like going on, that breeze was just coming right through the stadium and just cutting through you. That's the that was the and the Cotton Bowl when I was a freshman when we played OU uh, at Arkansas versus Oklahoma. But those are probably my two coldest games. Yeah, yeah. And just think about it: if they would have had the stadium now, he would have been indoors for that game. Right, freezing cold, freezing cold in Dallas shouldn't usually come together. But I do remember a Super Bowl that they held at the Cowboys Stadium where. People were slipping and falling on their way from the parking lot because of all the ice that had fallen. I guess that's uh, some of the stuff that can happen in February, and I guess it can happen January 1st, too, because Matt Jones announced exactly that. Any more autographs to sign today? You didn't sign any we, autographs uh, of the basketball game the, on Friday, Matt. You the, had a lot of people that just know you that you had to go say Yeah, hi no, to. it was just homies, just just people. But the, in Jacksonville, Phil, it was so nice down there that in December, we're still wearing our slides and, and shorts. You know, you're not even doing the Jacksonville. The weather down there is uh, it's pretty – I mean – it, the rain, it rain to come through in 30 minutes and it's gone or something. You get some storms, but the weather down there for 90% of the year, it's just, you know, it's golfing weather. Well, I know some people that would like to get out and play golf no matter what the weather is. 
today, even today, I know some baseball guys that would get out and they would play. They would be like the Reverend on Caddyshack. The good Lord would never, would never ruin the best round I, of I my life. I keep playing. That's just the heavy stuff's not going to come in for quite some time. We can't say, well, we could say what the Reverend says after he gets struck by lightning, but it wouldn't be very great for him here on, uh, on a uh, family-oriented radio. <laughs> You've listened to this program long enough. It's a good thing the kids are in school today, right? 877-377-6963 for your calls and your texts. Uh, Sam Pittman says, the colder the better. Rooting for a freeze-out if we can get it with Ole Miss coming in. Well, just at least allow them to arrive. At least let them get there so that we can have a game. It goes further. See how far Dalton Wagner can go today at practice. So you're hoping to get your starting right tackle back. But that might not be the case. We'll find out. And there is an open competition for the number two spot at quarterback. Ten games into the season, we have an open competition. And honestly, it feels like it's been a back-and-forth sort of a thing since Fortin started the Mississippi State game. And it felt like a big surprise at that point. So, And with the idea that KJ is, is, is probably practicing today, there's still no guarantee that he plays. So who, who's your backup quarterback is going to be pretty darn important for the remainder of the season. Halftime's brought to you by our friends at Washitar Farms who make Lark that full-spectrum seltzer you've been enjoying all season long. You get a buzz with Lark even though there's no booze. It's infused with right, the right balance of hemp-derived THC and CBD. Tastes like strawberry guava, mango, grapefruit, and berry. No sugar, no carbs, no calories, no alcohol. So it's good for all the diets out there. Find Lark at your local adult beverage store. Have it shipped to your doorstep by visiting LarkHemp.com. That's LarkHemp.com. You must be 21 years of age or older to enjoy Lark. All right, we're going to wrap up the second hour of halftime with a frightening thought on Hawaii. Stay with us. Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. All right, show of hands. Who's going to uh, Hawaii for the Maui Invitational? My hands down. I don't even get to go to St. Thomas with the women's basketball team. Mm. I'm going to be in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, no complaints. I go where they tell me to go, and I'm very happy about that. Um, Maui's a lovely island. I have been there. Matt, you've been there, too. It's a beautiful place. Um, but you might want, if you go to the Maui Invitational at that little gym. Drove right past it. Yep. You drove, I, I never got a chance to see it. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't get to that side of the island too much. Didn't do the seven pools and all of the seven sacred pools. Although I had a friend of mine. Like, Maui is the place for honeymoons. That's where I went on mine. And my friend went on a honeymoon and lost his wedding ring in one of the sacred pools. Oh, no. Because it was too cold. And his fingers shrunk just enough for the thing to fall off. Their marriage lasted 12 years or so. Who knows what would have happened if the ring would have stayed on the finger. (laughs) Um, But you might want to stay away from 
the island of Kauai and specifically stay away from the Waiula, Wailua River State Park. Because apparently, at that specific state park, there are fire ants falling from the sky. Not just ants, you know, the kind of black ant that you look at and be like, oh, look at that thing. It's supposed to be really strong. It can probably carry a watermelon. No, I mean the kind of red ants that the moment it hits you, it just starts to dig into. You know what that feels mm-hmm. like. That is the, one of the worst feelings in the world. And apparently, they're falling from the sky at Wailua River State Park. And this is, I never think of anything going on in Hawaii as nightmare fuel. Now I do. That specifically would keep me away. Man, that's no that's no good. Just falling from the, and that was one of the things about going to Hawaii. There's no snakes there, or this is what they tell you. You know, on the island, you can walk around. I don't like snakes. Well, I don't think there are snakes on that. That's on that yeah, beach. That's where I wanted to go. If there are snakes falling from the sky, I'd avoid it as well. By the way, what is it with the the co-hosts on this show just being so frightened of snakes? Remember, Maddie, like Drew. You couldn't even oh, say the word snake to him. He sent. A, he was walking on a trail one day and sent us a picture of a worm. Like I can't. <laughs> I couldn't get past it. It's not even a. It's Don't, barely you, a garden snake, dude. When I was in, so when I just went and golf with Coach Nut, uh, what was that? A month ago or so? When I was telling y'all that, did I t- did I tell you, sh- tell you this snake? So I'm thinking my brain goes. I go into to look in the woods for one of my golf balls, and my brain thinks I'm in in Fayetteville or Fort Smith, and it's already been cold, and so there's no snakes. No, I'm in, in almost Dallas. There's this biggest snake, as big as your arm. I, see, I mean, I see. I couldn't play golf the rest of the day. I was so, like, I saw him, like, hole four. You see, he's like, ah, oh, and then that's so, it. So, you know what, done. what equally freaks me out, uh, like, big snakes, is uh, the possibility of walking into a giant spider web and there being uh, a big spider on it. There are so many spider webs where I walk yeah. here in Fort Smith. And, uh, I, and I've had a couple of moments yeah. where that almost happened to me, too, Maddie. And it's like, I got to stop my run or my walk here. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's like, well, I got to get back to the car and i'm not no one's gonna push me in a stroller unfortunately yeah i almost i thought there was this one moment i went on a run at like six in the morning and i was a split second away from running face first into the middle of a giant spider web with the giant yep. spider right in the Just middle waiting of it. for you Just, it would have sucked my face right <laughs> off my scalp and you would not be doing this radio show with me right now uh, yeah, Rod, you're right. Why did it have to be snakes? Why did it have to be spiders? That's the one that gets me more than anything else. Um, so these fire ants, by the way, are apparently they don't have a good a skill that I guess some other ants have a skill from. Now they're not ants. Don't rain down from clouds. It doesn't really happen like that. These are ants that apparently are falling from trees because they're bad at gripping and will fall from trees and plants. So, you know, they got some tall palm trees out there. Just stay away from the beach or stay away from Kailua and just stay on Maui. I, I was so, another snake story. So I'm, I'm turkey hunting with my pops and, and I'm, I don't know, eighth, ninth grade. And you just kind of like, you know, you don't know what you're doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. But we're, we're out there and we're, we're over here in Chaffee area. And uh, it's right by where the studio is. And we, we post up kind of next to a tree and, and we're, he's, he call, does the turkeys, you know, to see if there's a turkey. And I look over my right shoulder and there's a mother freaking snake <laughs> hanging in the tree. Oh and I make the, the worst scream like a little girl in the whole, like, because I'm 12. And I make this, and he's like, well, there you go, son. I guess we can go home. You just scared all the turkeys away. <laughs> 
I love the thought of this. I mean, Matt, you had uh, you had uh, two hundred and eighty pound defensive tackles bearing down on you, um, uh, in and 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 the snake is probably the thing that scared you more than that. Well, by far. Well, I didn't know snakes could climb up trees at that point. You know, like I was still, I was like, whoa, now I can't get it, can't get away from them now. Yeah, it just messed then, me up. And then my baseball partner, and I know I've told this this on this on the show before, but you don't know about this, Matt. It was during the pandemic, the shutdown, and Bubba and I were working on a. Um, on a, on a Zoom, uh, where we were, you know, retelling the story of a famous Arkansas baseball game. I think it was from the 2015 conference tournament, and and Bubba all of a sudden asked to stop the Zoom for a brief moment because he'd been told by his wife that there was a copperhead out in the backyard and he needed to go take care of it. So Bubba, being Bubba, just came back after about six minutes. He was holding a shovel. And he had just decapitated the thing with a shove. This was a copperhead. Mm-hmm. This wasn't just like a garter snake mm-hmm. or anything. This was the kind of thing that would suck your face right mm-hmm. off. But is it obvious I've got a fear of having my face sucked off? <laughs> it's from the <laughs> Alien movies, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That it was. I mean, you got Everybody's got to have a bubble with them. I just need. Thank goodness, I don't have snakes in my. Backyard. I'm all for gay marriage. At least there'd be a man around the house, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Whoever, whoever I, whoever's the next missus will will have to be really good at kill. I'll kill the sn- the spiders. You kill the snakes, or maybe we'll just you know sell the house and go move to some place that doesn't have them. Mm-mm-mm. There you go. I see Jesse talking about uh, working in crawl spaces. There's no way I. Can oh, do that. we got it like ventilation ooh, and all that oh, stuff God, in the no. attic. I, I never and, went under ooh. my house. Oh no, Jesse, you go into those crawl spaces with force fields, don't you? Do you spray first? Isn't there please, a way to like deter them? You just somehow? throw a grenade under there first. <laughs> yeah. Please tell me you go into those crawl spaces with a force field. Halftime is brought to you by Pradco Fishing. Fishing for cold water bass on Beaver Lake, Table Rock. Fishing for a trophy brown on the Mighty White. Have the Smithwick original suspending Rattlin Rogue with you. With famous rolling action, it's fished extremely slow or fast in heavy current. It suspends. It's going to stay in the strike zone longer and you catch more fish. That's the Smithwick original suspending Rattlin Rogue at Lornet.com and tackle stores everywhere. One more hour on halftime, 877-377-6963 for your calls and texts, and we will be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, the uh, text just came in. Don't look at the text that we just got here from uh, from the 501. I don't know who it is. He's, uh, he's from Hot Springs. Says he's Hot Springs' favorite mailman. So Hot Springs' favorite mailman. You guys listening on our uh, 96.3 affiliate. Mina Hot Springs, your favorite mailman, uh, apparently isn't afraid of snakes at all. Gosh, he's got three or four of them that are intertwining. So they're still alive. Because the way he's holding them, he just looks like he's barely pinching the tops of their heads. Yikes. Those are huge. I don't want nothing to do with it. We had a snake at a Razorback baseball game last year. The The thing was in the tunnel uh, right behind the Arkansas dugout on the first base side. And was it poisonous? I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was. I never got close enough to, ch- to to know. Yeah, I didn't. But I'll tell you who did get close enough. Dave Van Horn, 
Dave, Dave actually, he I don't remember like he if would. he was the one who put it in the, in the bucket, but he took that bucket with the snake in it, walked all the way out to the center field fence where the gate, you know, the, for, the, mm-hmm. for the equipment to come on, and he dumped the thing in, in Norm's lake. Just like, wow, that's pretty badass. Although it was probably just some garter snake and not really that big of a deal. So Now that I remember, I think it was a black snake, which might have been a halfway big deal. I don't know. In either of your lives, have you ever come across a rattlesnake in the wild? When no, I was a kid in Jacksonville, my grandfather was in our just, front yard and he killed it with a shovel. Just yeah. big O, whatever, just big O, I, I guess they're copperheads. That's all I've ever been. But I, the one in Texas, it was as big as your forearm. Like, just, it was so, you could see muscles on muscles on it. But I've ne- I don't think I've ever seen a rattlesnake except for that thing at the other place that uh, we used to work at when they would do the, the Arkansas State Fair or whatever uh-huh. that was and we'd go down there. Yeah. I, mm-mm, <laughs> mm-mm. We, we have somebody that, uh, that texts in. Who reminds us of the raccoon oh, at the gosh. Arkansas baseball game? And which didn't, your, didn't your one friend, guy caught it, didn't he? Well, one guy caught it, but your friend's daughter that we went to the game with, Matt. Remember, she she said she saw the thing first, and it was in was it in the bathroom? Oh, and they and they made him uh they made him leave the stadium. They, yeah, yeah. Like it's I just saved raccoon. all you people, and now you're making me leave. <laughs> well, the raccoon I feel was like more dangerous than the snake. Really, the, the raccoon snake, looked pissed off. It was. Yeah. It bit the guy. I mean, he, she, he scruffed the raccoon. You scruff a cat. I know this. You scruff a cat. The cat can't bite you. Can't do anything. It's not big enough. It can't writhe around like that. Raccoon, this big fat one. Yeah, you needed to double scruff it. He didn't. The guy not only had to, had to leave the stadium afterwards. He had to go get a rabies shot. I just found the video on YouTube. Free rate win. Yeah, rabies shot night at Razorback right. baseball games. Every The first thousand fans get a free rabies shot, courtesy of the Arkansas Department of Health. Rabbit for rabies. You know, I like the carbo load before my rabies walk. Sounds good. Now that we're going at the frightening moments that we've had in our lives, <laughs> I remember at a Travelers game at the old ballpark, there was uh, the Midland Rockhounds uh, were in the visiting clubhouse, and I'm in there deli- dropping, off the, dropping off the lineup sheets, and I don't remember who it was, but he's like, Come here and look at this thing. And he points down into this little hole right by somebody's locker. And it was just your regular average run-of-the-mill giant black widow. Yeah, you know, those things can, like, jump. Like, they can let's, hop. Ugh. Let's get dressed and play baseball here, boys. This is a great place for that. Oh, I remember so uh, when I was in kindergarten, there was a – I came out of our front door, and there was a bat asleep uh, – attached the door, and I put a jar around it and caught the bat in nice. a jar and took it to school, poked holes in the top of it, and took it to school to show everybody. And you didn't have to go get no rabies I, shot afterwards. I, I, nobody t- I don't remember anybody taking me to get one. That probably, looking back, that probably wasn't the smartest idea, but I thought it was cool as a you kid. Ever, I, I'm trying to think, as a kid, I'd catch a spider in a jar, but did y'all ever catch a scorpion in a jar? Right, no, go around I, here? No. I yeah. see a scorpion. Like, these are the things that I go the opposite yeah, direction of. Yeah. Not, uh, I would never touch a tarantula. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. One thing about a tarantula too. Although I hear, Billy Carrot Corgan did, he, he had he, he touched a tarantula. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they. Uh, I think they carry their babies on their back, so you could like uh, you step on a uh, tarantula, and then like a bunch of babies go scattering. Off now of you it. see. Now I'm, I'm walking away. Yeah, you done scared me. Here it is. People thought they were tuned in to halftime, and it's Wild Kingdom today. Yeah, on no, this ESPN is animal talk. It's not like we That's had right. a game over the weekend. Or... All I did was just bring up the idea that there were apparently some some uh, fire ants yeah. raining from the sky in in Hawaii. No big deal. But that's where everybody comes Normal in. The stuff. rally possum was cool, yeah. Black snake plus water equals moccasin. Maybe that thing turned into a moccasin. The, the Christian wig, when it, she, he, she's talking to Steve Carell, he's like, you want to see the face I make when I see a snake made out of candy? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's my uh, favorite scene in Anchorman 2. <laughs> now, that one I didn't remember quite as much as the first one. The first one's all, yeah, the first one, the, the second one's not, you don't need to remember it. But there I, is a couple, good, there's a couple scenes in the second one. But that first one's legendary. Got to look and see what happened over the SEC this weekend. Georgia, just, and this is the difference between Georgia and any other team that's contending for being in the top four and being a legit national championship contender is that Georgia is just blowing them all out. I mean, the Mizzou game for Georgia was close, but that's about it. Uh, it took care of Tennessee easily and, and, and throttled Mississippi State. I guess Ohio State's a little bit in that same category as Georgia. You know, that, that's where, that's why they gotta people, play. They got to play Michigan, though. They do. Yeah. And, and look, who's Georgia? Georgia played Oregon. Or I'm not saying Oregon got exposed this past weekend because they've been playing great football, but they didn't play their best against Washington. And they obviously didn't play their best against Georgia, and maybe Georgia had a lot to do with that. But, like, for, for Ohio State, and it's the same idea, they haven't played anybody outside of Penn State. You know, putting up 54 on Iowa and just the fact that anybody can break 30 against Iowa with the speed they play, pretty impressive. Um, and they get Maryland this week. I think Maryland was shut out by, by Penn State last weekend. So, uh, yeah, Ohio State and Georgia are, are kind of in the, in, the same, in the same category. Do you think that – so Georgia's going to have to beat LSU. Ohio State's going to have to beat Michigan. You'd rather play LSU. Like, Georgia's going to beat LSU. Like, if you were to lock one in, that Ohio State-Michigan game, Michigan still has a puncher's chance because they got that good running – which LSU has a good running back, but – LSU's quarterback. If, if you saw what that Georgia defense did yeah. to the Tennessee, there ain't no, there's no way, and he's yeah. going to be able to do anything. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree. I agree. You keep a spy on him. They've got plenty of defenders to spy right. on on Jaden Daniels, like Drew Sanders did. But uh, you know, for I mean, for the for the for Ohio State or Michigan, they're still going to have to win the Big Ten championship, which that's, they that's should do. There isn't like anybody out of the West doesn't have a puncher's chance against either Michigan or Ohio State. I mean, it's a, the, the West event. This is a reason to get rid of divisions, which I think the Big Ten eventually is going to do. Because in that case, Matt, you, you would end up, think about this, you would end up having, and I know we've seen other leagues that this has happened before, where you would have Michigan and Ohio State play Thanksgiving weekend, and then they would play the next weekend for the Big Ten championship. Because those are the two teams that have the best records by far. In that league, right? That's why divisions. Yeah, they're going to play Purdue or deal. Illinois. That's your so your to your point right there. I think Michigan and Ohio State, who had the winner of that game, they play Purdue or Illinois. I think they both they they both easily win that one. I forget who it was. It was Cody that texted in asking if if LSU were to beat Georgia, do they get into the into the into the final four? Yes, yes, I think so. But but there's an interesting scenario thrown out there. I think it was um, Heather Dennett from ESPN that wrote about this. There, there's theoretically a legitimate scenario where maybe three teams from the SEC, maybe. I mean, TCU would have to lose because the Big Ten is going to get either Michigan or Ohio State in. Um, you know, there's really only one team left with a fight and chance out of the Pac-12, and that's USC. And there's really one team with a fighter's chance in the ACC, and that's Clemson. Although maybe North Carolina might have a little something to do with that. So if LSU were to beat Georgia, then you'd have Georgia that beat Tennessee, and you'd have Tennessee that beat LSU. And you can't keep the SEC champion out of the Final Four, can you? Even with two losses? 
We, Georgia would be go ahead of Tennessee. I, I don't know how it, how it's going to all go out. I mean, USC plays UCLA this week, and so that's what you're saying. UCLA beats USC this week, and then then so nobody out of the Pac-12 is getting in because they all right, have two losses. Right, and then let's say yeah. TCU stumbles somewhere, which I know a lot of people expect that to happen. Then you but think TCU's keep... better than TCU. I mean, you think Tennessee's better than TCU. I do, yeah. but if TCU is undefeated, it doesn't matter what right. we think. It just doesn't. You cannot leave the undefeated champion out of the Big 12 out of the college football playoff if there are less than four, you know, less than five undefeated teams. You just can't. I don't care that Tennessee passes the eye test better than TCU. I don't care that Tennessee, you know, is an SEC team and TCU is not. If TCU is undefeated, they're in. That's simple. But but if they lose, there is that weird scenario. You'd have either Ohio State or, or, um, or uh, Michigan – and and then you'd end up with this conversation about about you know does the one loss Clemson team belong in there? No. TCU loses they they're not they're not in one loss out of the Big Twelve I don't think you get in one loss out of the ACC if it's Clemson potentially but there's a legitimate scenario where a two loss LSU SEC champion gets in and then you got to think about I mean Georgia would be in and then there's this conversation about Tennessee because they didn't just beat LSU Matt they destroyed LSU. <laughs> So it'd be a really interesting scenario that I kind of hope happens just to continue to show us that we should have a 12-team playoff. All right, we're going to break here and joined by Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South in just a moment. Uh, hey, if you need your vehicle dent repairs done by a professional that's local, someone you can trust, and not one of these pop-up hail damage places that pack up and leave town then you need to be with Littleton's Paintless Dent Repair. Michael, his family, and his team have lived in the community for over 30 years. They're the best in the business. They are the name you trust. They are local. Littleton's Paintless Dent Repair. They are going to be here taking care of their customers every day, every week, every month, and every year. Littleton's Paintless Dent Repair. You find them on Facebook. Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South joining Halftime next. she said, do what you want. I got silly and found the frog in the water by a hollow log and I shook it at her and I said, This frog's for you. <laughs> and she said, I don't like spiders and snakes, and that ain't what it takes to love me. Get by Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith today and pick up a bottle of the delicious 291 Colorado Bourbon and Rye. Also available, high noon tailgate packs are in stock, so swing by 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith for all your game day needs at Eastside Liquor. Now, back to the podcast. And a legend of halftime joining us here from Saturday Down South, Connor O'Gara, our good friend giving us some of his time on Mondays, Connor. How you doing on uh how you doing? We got two regular season games left and then it's bowl season. I know. I try not to think about that. I really don't. I, I do feel a little uncomfortable being called a legend. I think Harold Perkins deserves that title just a little bit more than I do. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I saw the LSU Twitter account called him the mayor of Fayetteville. Uh for good reason. The kid was the kid was amazing. We talked about him a few weeks ago, and it and it sounds like LSU initially was reluctant to put him on the field just because he was a true freshman and, and just raw more than anything else. Now 
they don't. They, you can't take that kid off the field ever, right? Yeah, it, it's pretty crazy to watch how he has developed. If you've kind of followed the way that this has played out, there was a point five weeks ago where they're like, ah, you know what, we're, we're good in the front seven. We have guys that can rush the passer. B.J. Ojolari is our all-SEC pass rusher. We feel like that's not necessarily an area of weakness for us. We want to kind of ease him into things. And then you realize, oh, my God, this guy can spy a quarterback like few people I've ever seen do that. And he can get off the edge at such an elite level that you you quickly understand that this guy was a five-star for a reason. And not only was he a five-star, but he understands both aspects of the game. His instincts, even against the run, are really, really good. And it just didn't matter who Arkansas was going to play a quarterback in that game. And I said afterwards, like, I actually thought K.J. dodged a bullet. Because if he had been out there and his shoulder had been exposed to Harold Perkins, man, that might have been all she wrote on his season. Like, it really felt like that kind of day. And it seems like we have not seen an individual takeover from the defensive end standpoint, uh, linebacker, whatever you want to call him, in that way, I mean, in a while. Like, that was just an all-time great defensive performance. He he did. He saved a couple tackles. I mean, Malik. If it wasn't for him, and we say this, but everybody's skilled. But Malik had a couple different lanes, and it was him is the one that made the tackle. And I don't know if there was anybody else on the field that could have made those tackles. I mean, I think of how many times in Malik Hornsby's life in which he felt like he was going to be tracked down, right. outrun by somebody. Like I kept thinking about that. I'm like. This is the guy that they call Tyreek Hill. I mean, they, they liken it to, to him. Like, that. that is the kind of skill set. And even Malik Hornsby could not escape the pass rush of Harold Perkins. I mean, that, that just kind of tells you everything you need to know about how unbelievably talented this kid is. I, I was getting a little bit bothered on the broadcast when they kept saying, like, he doesn't even know what he's doing yet. I'm like, no, that's not really a fair way to say that. You see the bend that he has getting off the edge and, and if that's a guy who doesn't know what he's doing, then, I mean, Lord, help us all when he actually figures out what he is doing. Because that was uh, that was just an unbelievable all-time defensive performance that we saw out of a true freshman. Connor, it's now two weeks in a row that the whole script has been flipped for this Arkansas football team, which was a run-oriented offense is leading the way kind of a thing for a while there. And, and now you see six quarters in a row, defense has played tremendously well. I mean, they were able to contain Jaden Daniels, and the secondary played in really well, even without Miles Slusher. But the Arkansas offensive line, which, you know, a couple of weeks ago might have been up for the Joe Moore Award, right now probably is not. And, and you know, this is a team that's built on, at least offensively, great play up front, and two or three guys you got to worry can run the football and, and right now, they are not running the football anywhere close to the way that they were, and they need this to get that sixth win. Yeah, it's it's not a given that they're getting to a bowl game at this point. It's not. I mean, like, if you've seen them as due defense, that is by no means a, a gimme matchup. I realize they just let up 66 points and 724 total yards to Tennessee. That's Tennessee. It's the number one offense in the country. They hadn't allowed more than 26 points to an SEC team before that. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's the, the, the big frustration that I have if I'm an Arkansas fan. is, Wait, what about this great offensive line? What about this backfield that was supposed to have several weapons? And I realize when KJ's 
not out there. Obviously, that, that changes things. And when Rocket isn't at 100%, that changes things too. Dominique Johnson, him going down, he kind of added it all up. And you're, you're realizing, wow, like, yeah, this backfield has, has dealt with some injuries that came at a really unfortunate time. And an offensive line that looked like it was going to be one of the best in the country is all of a sudden looking a lot more vulnerable, not just because they couldn't stop Harold Perkins, couldn't stop Liberty either. So this isn't just as simple as, all oh, one guy having this great individual performance. And I think it makes you kind of have some cause for concern moving forward because Sam Pittman's supposed to be able to troubleshoot this. If we're going to put some blame, some blame, some blame needs to be put on the head coach who is an offensive line mastermind. And right now, this feels like a very defining time for him as a head coach. Yeah, the last six quarters, Arkansas defense has uh, given up 13 points, and I, I would have thought we had won one of these games. Do you think the defense, uh, ha- have they found their stride? Do you think they're going to continue this against Ole Miss and uh, be able to give us a chance to win that game? You know, I, I think it should set up relatively well for what they're trying to do. I mean, Ole Miss, if you've watched them this year, you know, Lane doesn't really want to put the ball in Jackson Dart's hand a lot. I mean, in terms of making a, a big-time throw, that's not really their M.O. Their, their M.O. is that ground game, which, you know, coming into last week, they were the best non-service academy rushing attack in college football. I haven't seen if that if that is still the case. But stopping Quinshawn Judkins for, for 60 minutes is a tall task, and even Alabama couldn't contain him down the stretch when he set them up with that potential go-ahead touchdown opportunity that they ultimately weren't able to cash in on. But, you know, I think that for the Arkansas defense, the way that things have turned around, you'd say, okay, you should feel good about this. But at the same time, if you're not able to get those, you know, convert those third downs and stay on the field from an offensive standpoint, you kind of wonder about this defense and what it's going to look like later in the game because Ole Miss will wear you down. Uh, we, we know last year, you know, watching this game, which was, in my opinion, the game of the year in college football with with the way that it played out with Arkansas and Ole Miss, you know that Ole Miss is going to run that tempo just like Arkansas likes to be able to, albeit in a little bit of a different sense. But I, I think that would be my bigger concern is that if Arkansas can't figure out those offensive issues, that's going to bleed over into the defensive side of the ball. Well, well Phil's running back, A.J. Green, has been looking decent. Uh, it was probably better than Rocket is for averaging, averaging yards. you think it's just as simple as we need to change a little bit different style of running back to fix this running game? Yeah, maybe. And Alabama was willing to do that. And we, we found out afterwards that it was Jameer Gibbs had, had an ankle injury in that game against Ole Miss. But they went away from a guy who's been, you know, in my opinion, one of the best running backs in all of college football. And they went with Jason McClellan, a more in-between tackles type of guy. And it got it kind of got Bama going a little bit in that second half against Ole Miss. And I wonder if Arkansas needs a little bit of that as well, just to be able to mix things up. And it's hard to deviate from guys who have been so successful and they've kind of been, been the heart and soul to this point. And sometimes you just want to say, Hey, just keep relying on them. They're going to break one. But you know, that's, that's the, the tricky part for Kendall Bryles is figuring out when that change of pace is kind of needed. And when it looks like another guy needs an opportunity to be able to get going. You know what sucks, Connor? Uh, it sucks that uh, A&M hasn't won a game since Arkansas. I wish it was since Miami because that was a game that they should not have won, and it's the one that Arkansas really let get away amongst all of the others. But then I think about this, and it's like it's really something else. You look at some of the more impressive, I don't know if you say impressive, but it's like shocking outcomes based upon the coaches. Carnell Williams, who's never been a head coach at any point in his life, just gets a win over the $85 million Jimbo Fisher. 
And then the Colts, Jeff Saturday, but he didn't been a coach ever. He beats Josh McDaniels, <laughs> who's on the Bill Belichick coaching tree for crying out loud. It's like you try to figure football out sometimes and you just can't. I was pretty impressed, though, that Auburn played like that for one of their own, which has to has to do something of it. And for Jimbo, man, does I mean, does it stop? At least they get UMass this weekend, right? Yikes. I mean, they haven't scored 30 points against FBS competition over a year. I mean, that, that, that is wild to think about for how much money he's making. But against Don Brown's team, who has yet to beat an FBS, BS squad this year. All they have, uh, the only win on that resume is a 20 to three win against Stony Brook. Shout out to Stony Brook. I'm sure a lot of listeners know many things about them. Um, no, I, I think that this is, this is just a disastrous situation that has been worse than anybody could have imagined. And I came into the year saying, look, I think A&M is the most overrated team in college football. There's no world in which I saw them being eliminated from bowl contention with two weeks to play. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. It's kind of covered up how disappointing of a year this has been for Arkansas because it's been immensely more disappointing for A&M. And they've had injuries, suspensions, all those different things. But it just comes down to Jimbo Fisher not really knowing his way around an offense anymore. And it's as simple as that. You look up at those buyout numbers, which I just tweeted out again, just to remind myself of how crazy they are about, you know, even after 2026, he's still going to be owed $48 bucks. I mean, that's what we're talking about here with a fully guaranteed contract. It's just wild to see the way that this has played out, and it's inevitable. He's going to have to get an offensive play caller in there because clearly the game has passed by. So let me let me ask about the SEC championship game. Now that we know what it is, and we already know what this what this matchup is, LSU. I mean, I'm impressed with their defense. I'm impressed with Harold Perkins and 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 Ojulari and a few of the other guys. But there's no, I just can't see based on what I saw this Saturday, that LSU can consistently move the ball and score against the Georgia defense. So when I, you know, and I hear, we were talking the last segment about the scenarios where, hey, LSU wins that game. Maybe there's three SEC teams in the final four. It's not going to happen because I don't think LSU is going to really, look, they'll play well, but Georgia is that much better than everybody else right now. Yeah, I, I would pick Georgia to, to win that game. And, you know, we talk about the impact that Harold Perkins has made for the LSU defense in his recent emergence. How about Georgia getting Jalen Carter back? Man, he is incredible to watch on the interior. It kind of reminds me of, like, 2018 Quinn Williams in the way that you, you see him rush uh, rush the passer from the interior spot. You just think to yourself, man, you, you just can't contain him with one guy. And people are kind of wondering, like, wow, how is it possible that this Georgia defense, which lost eight players to the NFL draft, it had its senior captain go down with a season-ending injury before the Florida game. How is this group looking like the the group that we saw last year? And Jalen Carter is a huge reason why. I mean, he is just a game wrecker. And I think in that game against LSU, as long as he is healthy coming off of the knee injury, They got injured on the first play of the year against Oregon, actually, and then just kind of tried to play through it. If he is healthy, to me, Georgia's defense is going to be awfully difficult to score against, and it's going to be a nightmare afternoon for Jaden Daniels. Yeah, he he kind of I don't know. He just didn't seem like he could throw the rock a little bit, and I I understand now why uh, why Brian Kelly gets a little frustrated because as an athlete, man, he's as, as athletic as they get, but as a as a football as a thrower. 
he struggled. I mean, against Oregon, I mean, he, he just like his release point was off. He's throwing the ball. Every, I, I just don't see any way that uh, he, he's good enough to, to take that team past Georgia. Yeah, and you have to take chances. I mean, that, that was the, the whole thing and why it kind of worked against Bama and why he, they were able to get out to such an early lead against Florida. His big midseason turnaround was because Brian Kelly said, look, man, you've got to trust these receivers to make some plays for you. It's not always going to be three, four yards of separation. Like, you got a preseason All-American on your team, Keyshawn Booty. Guy can catch the ball on one-on-one. He's good. You yes, he is. willing to give it to him. So, like, you, you see that that play out, and he could still revert back to that. And when you get it, when you get him kind of, you know, you get that pressure off the edge, and you wonder if he reverts back to that, and he's not working through his progression, that could easily play out against Georgia. I mean, everybody's talking about Bo Nix and this Heisman campaign with him. I watched Bo Nix revert back to some really bad habits when he faced Georgia in week one in Atlanta. So I think that could definitely play out. It wouldn't necessarily be a surprise to me to see Georgia roll, run away with that one. So when the season started, um, we had you know this whole to do between Mark Stoops and and John Calipari and those two programs up there in Lexington, and now boy, you want to talk about an oof, oof, twenty six straight losses in the SEC for Vanderbilt, and then they go into Kroger Field and, and beat Kentucky. So I guess Kentucky's back to being a basketball school, and Vanderbilt is no longer a baseball school, right? Woof, man. Oh, gosh. It feels like it. I, I mean, this this was easily the worst loss in the Mark Stoops era. Like, not even close to me. And, you know, like, you see the way that this played out with just an offensive line that all of a sudden is terrible. I mean, they have a lot more sacks than any Power 5 team in the country. Like, it, it is so frustrating to watch the way that this offense was supposed to progress this year. And with Rich Gangarello, the offensive coordinator, came over from the San Francisco 49ers. Man, they have just not have those. They have not had those great moments, and you see even against a Vandy pass defense that was the worst in Power Five coming into this one, they couldn't do anything. Man, they couldn't do anything, and it's a huge setback, especially the time of year. Everybody's going to turn the page. You're going to watch Kentucky in the um, what, what is it? Is it the uh, the cross the crosstown classic? What what is it called again on the, the Tuesday night thing that they have during the playoff selection show? I'm not a basketball guy, as you can tell from this. Uh, but they play in that big showcase game on, on on that Tuesday night. It's usually in Chicago. And, and Kentucky fans, a lot of them will turn the page to that because when you lose to Vandy, kind of makes you reassess everything. Yeah, so I guess it sort of does. We'll leave it there, Connor. Appreciate you hopping on with us. Thanks for your time, and we'll uh, do it again Monday next week. Gentlemen, appreciate it. Thank you. Connor O'Gara, great stuff always. It's Saturday Down South. And uh, if you're on Twitter, if it still exists, you can uh, give them a follow at CJ O'Gara. All right, we're into the home stretch of halftime on uh, really, it's a beautiful Monday, but boy, is it cold out there. 877 377 6963 to get with us. Yeah, how about that? Carnell Williams' first win comes against a coach that's got a natty and a buyout that, you know, feels like it's the Powerball. And then Jeff Saturday. We've had people all across the NFL calling his hiring a disgrace. Beats the guy who has been there at the fingertips of Bill Belichick for a decade. Just shocking. All right, we'll continue with more halftime after this break. 
Eastside Liquor has more than just liquor. They also have wellness products and now carry Marley CBD gummies. They come in amazing flavors like Island Punch and Coconut Vanilla. They come in 200 milligram tin packs, so stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue and pick some up today. Now, back to the podcast. Over the weekend, Pete Rose uh, sent a letter to Rob Manfred, Commissioner of Baseball, uh, apologizing uh, a few times uh, to uh, try and, I think, uh, get the commissioner to begin thinking about reinstating him for enshrinement in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, And I read this letter, and I can't help but think of the idea that this is an 82-year-old man who, and I don't believe everything he says in this letter. He says, you know, uh, like all of us, I believe in accountability. I am 81 years old and know that I've been held accountable and that I hold myself accountable. I write now to ask for another chance. That's the way he ends it. He didn't always believe in accountability. That's a load of crap. If he did, he would have admitted what he did and then moved from there. He does not always believe in accountability. But I'm at the point now where I feel like I need, I need, something, I need something good with this sport. I need something good with baseball. The sport needs something good, something to feel like forgiveness and moving on. And this might be the way to do it. You know, I mean, baseball's at a weird place. They're changing the rules in order to try to get more eyes on it. You know, you don't have a lot of uh, players that are household names. 10, 15 years ago, you did. Uh, and it's like what helped save baseball from the, from the strike in 1994 was uh, a, an achievement from Cal Ripken Jr. And then the steroid scandal and the home runs and all of that. But it's a sport that needs something to feel good about. And honestly, I mean, Matt, you and I have been in the position where forgiveness feels really good. Like I think even the people that do the forgiving feel really good. And we can stand up on our high horse and everything and talk about the things that Rose did that got him banned from the sport. And it was worth, I mean, look, he deserved to be banned for what he did. But at the end of this, I mean, it's been 33 years. It's been 33 years. And I would like to think that the commissioner who banned him, Bart Giamatti, who was probably the most beautiful mind of any of the commissioners in the history of any sport, would have had that forgiveness in his heart. I'm not a fan of Pete Rose. I'm starting to come around to the thought that put him in the Hall of Fame. Put him in the Hall of Fame. He's an old man. He's He's been forced to be on the outside of this for... For 33 years, I'm ready to forgive, and I think the sport needs something to kind of celebrate in this case. Yeah, I, I asked you last week, I guess, what uh, about you know the Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa, and you said there's two different halls. There's there's a hall for like the enshrinement, and then there's a hall that they um, they get voted into, or there's like a museum. So I don't guess I know exactly what Pete Rose uh, did so wrong. I, I don't know the story. I know he did well, wrong, I'll, but I don't I'll tell you. But Phil, before you say, I think he'll get in posthumously. I just don't think they're going to let him. They don't want to see him go up there. I I really don't think in like he's so arrogant and so that way that they don't want to give him any type of thing. And I understand that. So I think, you know, I think he'll get in and just be that way. I hate, po- I mean, the, the posthumous induction sometimes feels almost like an insult. Right. Like for Ron Santo, you know, Ron Santo 
wasn't voted into the Hall of Fame until he was dead. And he probably belonged in there anyway. Buck O'Neill, same thing. It's like, so the family members can celebrate it. Even Pete Rose's son can. His son, Pete Rose Jr., died a few, you know, a while back. Um, what Pete Rose did was he gambled on his team that he was managing. And it doesn't matter if you gamble on them to win or not, because a manager should never base decisions. Uh, have anything to do with, <laughs> on this parlay? With, with, exactly. <laughs> yeah. With I got to keep this guy in right. on the mound longer because I got to win my bet or we got to win this game. So who cares if he throws 125 pitches and ruins his arm? You know that yeah. sort of thing. What he yeah. did was no no doubt. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that what he did didn't deserve the ban, but it's it's all these years later and people will point to cheating scandals and and, and all of that and that's a separate thing. It's a separate thing, like. Uh, this letter that he wrote right here is is uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's he's groveling essentially. I mean he's he's really groveling, and it's it's made me it's made me view this just a little bit a little bit differently than I would have before. But I think I think Barry Bonds, I think Roger Clemens belong in the Hall of Fame, and look, they are probably going to get in based upon the committee that's now deciding their fate in in Cooperstown. Now, for Rose, it, you got to be admitted onto the ballot by the commissioner first, and then they go from there. So, I'm, I'm, I just want to be forgiving about this. We got Sterling on hold. Let's take the phone call. Hi, Sterling. What's going on? I just want to make a quick comment of what y'all are talking about. I know y'all coming towards the end of the show. Uh, Bill, after I saw that nut, I'm like you. I, I was one of those that I think he should be in. I mean, if they put him in, I wasn't going to start a protest or nothing. But I see why he wasn't in. I can understand it. It was gambling. He gambled on, not only for the gambling on baseball, he was gambling on his own team. And like you said, it don't matter whether he's betting on them to win. First off, you had to bet on them every day. Second off, what does it say if you when you don't bet on them? I mean, you started wondering, I mean, is this the day he's going to rest some starters, some pitchers? You know, it's so much. That, I mean, it's totally wrong. But at the same time, it's been long enough. And Shoeless Joe, he should have been in. And, I, and I'm, I, I'm like you on the same thing about putting them in after they passed away. It really, it really, for lack of a better term, it pisses me off. The, sex, the, the person that got in should have been able to enjoy it while he was here. And Buck O'Neill, and the way they did him, and then to ask him to come and give the speech, for all the guys that got in, and he did it, and did it so graciously and, and amazing. I mean, and then they put him in after the fact. That that just irritates me to death. But in a way, even even waiting till somebody gets to the point of life where they can't give the, the kind of speech like they did Eddie Sutton, waiting till waiting that long. I mean, I just the, some Hall of Fames they really they really mess me up on that because either you're a Hall of Famer or you're not, and making somebody wait just to make him wait. It's, it's ridiculous. But I miss you, feel It's time to let it bygones be bygones. I don't want to see it on this plaque. Everybody knows what he did. He, we know he's a great player. He should be in the Hall of Fame. And along with Bonds, if you're a great player, you should be in, period, point blank. Sterling, thanks for the phone call, man. I appreciate you. And, and, and we, we do have to hit that break. Go and ahead, Phil, do they put him in? Will it be just as a player, or does he go in? Does it all go in as a manager, too? I, I, I don't know. Well, he didn't manage long enough. Okay, you know, so he wouldn't just be going in as a player anyway. He would just then. be because okay. he's the hit king. The two words I, I, that I'm thinking of here is contrite and magnanimous. 
in order to really accept somebody's apology, it has to be a contrite apology. This letter that Rose wrote feels exactly like that. And then on the other side, for those that get on the high horse, it's good to be magnanimous about these things and forgive when the person truly looks like they, they, they are asking for forgiveness and have paid the price. I think Rose has paid that price. We got to pay price. So we got sponsors to get to in just a moment. We'll come back and wrap halftime up after this. Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith has Whip Shots. Whip Shots from Cardi B is vodka-infused whipped cream in flavors like vanilla, caramel, mocha, and peppermint. With 10% alcohol content, these whipped cream shots will make any night a celebration. And they're great on pumpkin pie. Stop by Eastside Liquor today and pick up a can of Whip Shots at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. All right, this is really the news you've all been waiting for. As I got on my bet, Sarah's an app, and Arkansas is a two-and-a-half-point underdog at home to Mississippi this weekend. So uh, there's your early betting line. Plus 115 on the money line. Arkansas, Ole Miss is minus 135, and they got the uh, over-under right now set at 60-and-a-half. That's on the bet, Sarah's an app. If you like to uh, put a little wager on your favorite sporting event, you've got to have the bet, Sarah's an app on your phone. Uh, here's why. You might check the Vegas odds, but you got to be in Vegas to actually bet those odds. Arkansas law prevents all the big national apps from operating in our state. So if you want accurate, up-to-date sports wagering information in the state of Arkansas, you got to have the Bet Sarazen app. It's simple. Just go to your app store, download Bet Sarazen, works on all the phones, or you can just go onto a web browser, type in betsarazen.com, and uh, you can take it right from there. All right, we have the uh, Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast coming out uh, in about 30, 35, 40 minutes or so. Ruskin and Zach are ready to go at our 99.5 affiliate uh, studios, and they'll take you for the next few hours. They'll take you right up until 7 o'clock when Eric Musselman Live uh, dominates over our airwaves for uh, an hour. And then we've got Arkansas women's basketball, not on this station, but uh, you got a game against the University of Tulsa. So that's what we got going on. Uh, here on these airwaves, and then we get to talk all about it again next week. Matt, what do you think about uh, Arkansas, a two-and-a-half-point dog to Ole Miss? Last week it was three-and-a-half Vegas. I'll bet Sarazen nailed it. We'll see what this Yeah, one they did. Uh, the way our defense is playing the field, that's why I, I asked Connor about that. I, I really I, – I know our run game. I think we're going to run the ball better. I mean, we have to than we did the last two, the last two weeks. And if this defense that has showed up – uh, and they show up to play against Ole Miss, and 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 we're still. I mean, I I think this offense is going to be all right. We're going to be able to score twenty one against them. I mean, we're going to be able to do something. Um, but I I love watching this defense play against LSU, and in the last two quarters of Liberty game, I hope that defense is the defense that that shows up Saturday night against Ole Miss. So uh, as I look here, Ole Miss does have a low scoring win. They beat Kentucky twenty two to nineteen. Arkansas's fewest point total in a victory this year is 31. And their losses, 21, 26, 17, 19, and 10. If you would have told me that we were going to give up 13 points, I would have told you we were going to win the game. I I mean, that's, yeah. That's exactly what I would have thought as well. But we were wrong. And um, for those who were late to tune in, Sam Pittman did say at his press conference, K.J. Jefferson is expected to start practicing today. There is also an open competition at uh, second-string quarter. 
back between Cade Fortin and Malik Hornsby. So already it's been a bit of an interesting day as far as really the top story of what happened with Arkansas this past weekend, which is that K.J. Jefferson was not out there against LSU. We're back with you tomorrow for another award-winning edition of Halftime. We'll have Chuck Barrett with us, Clay Henry. Uh, So uh, lots going on on Halftime tomorrow. So stay warm out there, and uh, with the precipitation potentially falling later on tonight, be safe. For Matt Jones, for Matt Travis, I'm Phil Elson. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at HitThatLine.com. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.